Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Guess what day it is. It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend, weekend Friday. Good morning, everyone. Happy weekend. Happy Friday from the opening drive on 101 ESPN. It is 7 o'clock in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with... Brooke Grimsley and Sue Carrie Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. It is great to have you with us. Brooke, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great because I have brand new headphones. They look fantastic, too. Oh, you too. do? Well I done. do. Look at Carrie you. Didn't even notice. I didn't know, I would have noticed when I saw, you know, the one headphone dangling <laughs> down. I, I would have noticed it then. But I, there you go. Look there at you. There you go. Yeah, right. brand new headphones. <laughs> I could not be bullied any longer. <laughs> Yeah, well, and us internet bullies, we're terrible. Yes. I know. Yeah. Indeed. This Especially when you meet them in person. <laughs> <laughs> so but yeah, gotta, no dangly yeah. headphones, no tape. I use, there's literally just scotch tape right by here, and I just taped it together. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I got to tell you guys something. What's up, Randy? So you know that I'm not a, a big jewelry guy. I have like a $15 Timex watch. Okay. The battery went out earlier this week. No. That, yes. Earlier this week. So okay. rather than going and buying another $15 Timex watch, I went to CVS and spent $7 on a battery and changed the watch battery myself. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> there you go. You got to do what you so got to do. It's just 701 right now. It's right on. I think you're good to go. Yeah. So Working perfectly. Wow. Yeah, it's working better than the Cardinals and the Blues, I'll tell you that. Oh. That's a segue. All right. Yeah. The Cardinals did have uh, six hits last night against Vince Velasquez. Yeah, that Vince, not Vince Vasquez, <laughs> not Vince Vasquez, but Vince Velasquez. Uh, and the Cardinals lost to the Buccos by a score of 5-0. Yes. Brooke, <sighs> you, you were, you, you, do you have a comment there? And I was just, I mean, Rocchio was dying over there, so oh, yeah, I was concerned. You, so <laughs> with, with, with Vasquez or Vasquez for uh, the pitcher last night yes. for Pittsburgh, his actual name is Vince Velasquez. He's been around for like six or seven years. But Vasquez or Vasquez is the official, or maybe unofficial, Jim Edmonds pronunciation of the gentleman's <laughs> name. <laughs> so I'm just saying. That. I didn't, well, and I Jimmy, didn't... too, at least he asked Chip Carey during the broadcast, how do you pronounce his name? <laughs> so he, he told him, I'm sure. Well, he said Vasquez. He's, I wonder if he was thinking about Christian Vasquez or another uh, Vasquez. But yeah. no, this, this was Vince Velasquez. And maybe that's the problem the Cardinals had, is that they don't hit pitchers they don't know. Maybe they didn't know the guy. <laughs> yeah, they got the wrong pronunciation, maybe the wrong stats. He had like an ERA close to 10 going into that game last night. Yeah. And what did the Cardinals do, guys? They had six hits. No runs, though. No uh, runs. That's no, the they tough didn't part. It's hard. They, they I, I don't know, guys. I don't know if it's easy or hard to win a game if you don't score. 
it's it's hard. It's, it's really it's hard. Really it's hard, really hard. Right? hard. There's, yep. there's, you can't win a game at all if you yeah. don't ever score. The one time, and we'll get to the game story, <laughs> such as it is, in a moment. Uh, the, not the one time, but one time that a player got upset with me was the Cardinals had a stretch there back in the mid-80s where they could not score. They were pitching and they were losing games uh, like 2 nothing, one nothing. It was 3-2. Uh, and they just couldn't score, but they were pitching lights out. And then finally they score, and they score like nine runs and lose 10-9. Oh. And I go in and I say to Vince Coleman, I said, man, it's got to be frustrating. After all this time, you finally explode offensively and you just can't get the pitching. He's, you want me to criticize my pitching? No, I don't want you. I, I'm just saying it's got to be frustrating as an offensive player. He was really upset that I. Uh, he thought I wanted him to criticize his pitching. I did not. I don't do that. So uh, I can understand if you're a Cardinal pitcher last night, yeah. if you're Jordan, Jordan Montgomery, Montgomery, and you turn in the performance that you did, yeah. and then you don't get any offense, it's probably mildly frustrating. Yeah, no, and you could tell that he was frustrated mm-hmm. last night because he's a competitor. I mean, he he didn't he literally said that he didn't want to hand the ball over. Yeah, right. He also is a guy with the way things are going with this starting rotation. He wants to stabilize things. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna go out there and try and eat up as many innings, save our bullpen, throw 100 and whatever pitches. I mean, it's a little early now, but I want to want to be a horse going out there, give him 110 and 115 every game. That sounds like a $25 million a year pitcher to me, a if you horse. can pull that off. Yeah. A well, horse. That's what we need. Is You need a 6'6", 230-pound guy that's a horse. That's a horse. Well, and it is frustrating. I mean, a quality start that's just spoiled by all of that. And then you even have Jordan Hicks, that situation yeah. going in there. Jordan Hicks and inherited runners really just do not mix well, guys. No, and we're going to touch on Hicksy yeah. in a moment. Montgomery goes six and a third. He lost two runs. He'll walk two, struck out five. And as you mentioned, Brooke, he did not want to come out. Would have liked to get out of that jam in the seventh, but bringing in Hicks, understand it. I mean, okay, there's 103, so I fully understand it. But being the competitor, I always want the ball. Well, I'm glad he understands it. <laughs> I like how he said, I understand the guy ho- throws 103. I mean, it kind of felt like a little, maybe a little jab, but, you know, well, it's after the game, frustrations. He just wanted to be out there. And look, he's doing everything that you're asking from him. Yeah. We've been wanting to see more consistency from the starting pitcher. We want to see them go d- deeper into games. We want to see a quality start. He did all of that last night. Everything that was asked of him. And then the Cardinals do bring in Jordan Hicks. He does get an out, but he walks to throws only 12 pitches. Only three of those were for strikes. Ali Marmol, what do you do now? Said two of them. Obviously, we discussed a, a decent amount about coming in ready for that first guy. Um, that's that's part of the conversation. Another is just the consistency of being able to command his pitches and, and be competitive there. So, yeah, there's a discussion to be had there, and um, we're diving into it. When you have a fifth-year pitcher where you have to talk about things like Ali just talked about, I would suggest that that's a problem, that there is a red flag, a major red flag. When you're bringing him to, into important situations and you ha- have to talk about him competing against the first hitter and about having command of his pitches, that's a problem. I think he's uh, – a couple of those pitches are, are, I guess, borderline, especially the last one, which I thought was a strike, uh, but Wilson Contreras tried to throw out the runner at third. It, it, he's he, – I don't want to say dancing around the strike zone – 
I don't know if we just need them to just go right down the middle with a 103-mile-per-hour fastball and see if someone can hit it. He's got a, His stuff is really good, but it's not hitting in the spots that it needs to hit in. And until he, I guess, challenges a few batters with this 103 and see if they can catch up to it, you know, maybe upper in the, lower in the zone and, and not allowing guys to get, get a full swing on it, he's going to have these – Problems. He's throwing a 96-mile-per-hour sinker. You know, he, he's throwing the ball extremely hard. It's just not being thrown well and right in the right spots right now. And until that happens, he's going to struggle. And it's interesting, when you look at his career, for a guy that does throw 103, 104, he's only got 8.8 strikeouts per nine innings. It's not like he's blowing people away with strikeout pitches. Well, and then you put him in that situation. I can understand Jordan Montgomery's frustration because throughout that game, he displayed that he has the ability to get out of those situations. And so you have Jordan Hicks, who I mentioned just a few minutes ago, we all have seen. I mean, he just can't inherit runners. Inherited runners in him do not mix. And so he walks the first guy, and then he gives up a bases-loaded sack fly and it's just like everything that Jordan Montgomery had worked hard for. And I can, I'm can, i sure he's looking at that and he's like, I could have gotten out of that situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course he's going to feel that way. He's a competitor. He, he, I'm sure he said he didn't want to hand the ball over. It's a coach's decision. It's not always on the player. Um, I don't know if you can talk him out of that situation in that moment. Maybe a few guys, Chris Carpenter probably could have. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know if he he's built up that that resume or that repertoire with, with Ollie just yet to say, hey, no, leave me alone. I got it. I'll get us out of it. Um, and it's it's still early in the season. Maybe if you have that situation later in the season, it, it could be a possibility. Um, but I just, I just think that they have to compete better. Mm-hmm. Jordan Hicks, we talked about it. Don't walk the first batter. Don't get in a situation where you're allowing guys to get on and make good contact. Even that that sack fly by McCutcheon was a well-hit ball. It was just right at the center fielder. Um, Because your stuff is so good, we got to figure out how to get batters out and get out of jams without scoring runs, allowing runs to be scored. And you have to figure it out at the major league level. Yeah. For yes. a six-year guy, and that's that's troubling. Tonight, Johan Oviedo, the former Cardinal, will go against Jake Woodford. That is a 7-15 game, and uh, you can see it, of course, on Ballet Sports. Last night in Dallas, the Blues completed their season with a one nothing loss to the Stars. The Blues had opportunities. Down the stretch, they even had some opportunities, but couldn't get one past Jake Ottinger. Stars tried to clear. They can't. Two seconds to go, and that'll do it. Blues fall to the Dallas Stars in the final game of the season by a score of one to nothing. Missed a chance to tie it up late. And the season will come to a close, and the Blues will fall below 500 for the first time since 2007-2008. Finish the regular season with a 37-38 and seven record. Certainly not what we anticipated in October. The Blues did have their moments, but overall, this is a pretty forgettable season. I mean, last season, 109 points. For the Blues mm-hmm. this season, 81 points, 81 points. Yeah, 28 point drop off. And then you had also had multiple 20 plus goal scores last season. Yeah, and nine, that dropped off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that yeah. dropped off as well too. It, it's just a lot of it just doesn't make any sense because yes, you traded away some pieces. You didn't have David Perron coming back. 
but maybe that was a bigger loss than we even realized. I mean, I think fans realized that, but seeing how much that possibly affected the locker room as well is interesting. I think that's the the key point is it's not all about what's on the ice. It's about who's in that locker room and who is going to be that voice, that voice of reason, that steady voice that everyone listens to. I've told you many times, Randy, that most people think that James Harrison or Troy Palomalu was our leader. It was James Ferrier. It was the guy that most people, he's a 16-year veteran, played that long, 15, 16 years in the league. But he's the guy that everyone looked to for their 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 advice, their go-to, what they needed to do, because he was the he was the one. And most people would think when you think of Pittsburgh Steelers, that's not the first name that you come up with, but he was the one. And when you get rid of guys that are leaders in that locker room, guys that can have a voice, guys that other players listen to and respect. It makes it tough to win games. Well, and that's why I think it's interesting when we've we've played that sound of Craig Bruby talking about that Robert Thomas and Jordan Kyrie mm-hmm. need to take more of a leadership role. I think that maybe they were factoring in some other guys stepping up in different ways as well, too, when you have that loss of David Perron. And I had for a long time that perception that uh, if a guy had the C, that he was a leader. And Dallas Drake, former Blues captain, said, you know, the C's and the A's, yeah, they're, they're great, but that doesn't tell you who the leaders yeah. are. Everybody in the room knows who the yeah. leaders are. It's not necessarily the people that are wearing the letters. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even Patrick Maroon, he, yeah, right. <laughs> that was a guy good, who was a call. leader during that Stanley Cup run. I mean, he was so vocal. He knew how to, I mean, talk with the younger guys, the veterans, all that stuff. He was a guy who is 100% a leader and has continued to be one. All right, we're off and running here on this edition of the opening drive. Here's what we got coming up. Jay Delsing's going to join us in our next segment. At the bottom of the hour, Greg Amzinger will join us. We didn't have a chance to catch up with him. Joey Vitale in the 8 o'clock hour. Also in the 8 o'clock hour, MLS uh, pass host and analyst Andrew Wiebe will join us. And then Robert Thomas at 9.30 on the conclusion of the Blues season. Up next, though, we're going to talk some golf. We're going to talk some John Rahm with our friend Jay Delsing. He's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Carrie and Randy, it's the opening drive, and we head to the celebrity line, and our friend Jay Delsing joins us here on 101 ESPN. Of course, you can hear Jay every Sunday morning at 9 with uh, his show, Golf with Jay Delsing. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? Good morning, guys. I'm doing great. How about you all? Everything's good. How about the performance of John Rahm on Sunday at Augusta? Oh, is there a better Sunday of the year? I mean, my butt didn't get off the couch for a record. I mean, it must have been three hours. I had my food laid out. I had the dog outside. It was, it was a great, great, uh, back, the back nine was fantastic. It was, I, I gotta tell you guys, I, I, I was, I, I love seeing Rom win and not Kepka. but is it a bigger story that Rom won or what Phil Mickelson did shoot 31 on the back nine and finishing second? I mean, I feel like he really kind of came out of nowhere. Just another question mark about Phil Mickelson. I, I really enjoyed the the Masters. I thought it was great. Jay, I said on Monday that John Rahm saved the world of golf from uh, the, the just saved the, the, the world of golf as we know it because he prevented live people from winning that tournament. What do you think about that? You talked about Phil, you talked about Kapka. If those two, if one of those two win, it, we're, we're talking, it's a different conversation we're having here today, isn't it? It, it really is, and, and I, I gotta tell you at the end, I, I found myself rooting against the live guys, and I kind of hate that I did. Because at the end of the day, 
it was really about golf. And golf won. It was another great tournament. The Masters kind of kicks off uh, major season. And just that place is special. And I, I really did find myself rooting against the live guys. And you know what? It's interesting. I thought I thought the TV coverage did a good job for Liv. I thought um, the I, I thought it was really really handled well. I thought, and, but at the end of the day, Carrie, I think golf was was the big winner. I thought it was a great game. Well, also, I don't, I'm. Oh, it looks like we lost you for a second, Jay. We got oh, you, Jay. I'm here. I'm, oh, I'm here. Good. You got me. Yep. Yes. Sorry about that, guys. I, I was just saying at the end of the day, I really just thought golf won. I, I I hated the fact that I was personally rooting against the live guys. I thought that the players welcomed them back. Uh, I thought the TV did a good job. I don't I didn't don't, don't think they really discriminated too much about them. I thought Jim Nance had an interesting comment about the CW <laughs> yeah. one time. I'm not sure if you guys heard that, but I was like, wow, I've never heard a crosswalk referred to as the CW. <laughs> that was good. Well, I know that you were pulling for Rory, um, and that didn't end up happening, but still, I don't know if you saw that Rory decided that he was going to skip the RBC Heritage this weekend, and it's reported that he'll be he'll lose $3 million, which I'm sure is something that doesn't exactly matter to him. What do you think about that decision something's going on well it just tells you how mental the game is you guys it really does because here's a guy that was just playing great coming into the week he there you know he wants to win this championship more than any i mean it's going to give him the career grand slam he's got to enter an elite group that's only i think five or six people in the history of the game that have ever accomplished it before and, I mean, he just wasn't even close. It, it looked like he was out of sorts. It looked like he was trying too hard. A lot like what you saw, what we saw last night with Jordan Hicks. Here's a guy that can throw the ball as fast, if not faster, than anybody in MLB and can't come close to locating home plate. So when you get in your head, you guys, it's, it's tough to get out. Jay, let's move on to uh, what we have now here in St. Louis with the, the great weather and a lot of people out on the courses. Can you do me a favor and just tell people that they don't have to play slow, that they aren't playing in the Masters when they're playing at uh, at uh, Al- well, uh, at Golf Course or St. Anne? You are, if you're playing in those uh, on those courses, you, you don't need to line up every putt for 15 minutes? My dad used to tell me two things are going to happen. It's either going to go in or it's not. If it doesn't, you get another chance. Just get up there and hurry up and make your decision and go. It's one of those things, Randy, that just drives me crazy when and 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 i have to say i really think men are worse than women when it comes to this i feel like a couple of guys playing for a few dollars with their buddies can block and clog up an entire nine or 18 holes by by just turtle dancing out there you can tell they're not ready to play when it's their turn and then when it is it's like the weight of the world is on this shot i'm like oh come on let's go you guys really aren't that good let's just play a little faster and have more fun have another beer maybe that's what we need yeah that's my point it's just if you're going to play you you, none of us are good enough none of us are gonna except for you but none of us are good enough to be out on and brooke thinks she's going to be then none of us are good enough to (laughs) To be on the tour, no. to to play that, and even the the pro guys, I think it was Kepka the other day said was talking about the group in front of him that was just so brutally slow. Well, what happens when, when on the PGA Tour when you go from twosomes, which is a typical 
weekend pairings at, at Augusta to threesomes because of the weather and they needed to have less groups tee off and, and manage the time better, it slows down considerably. And I got to say, I, I really thought that affected Kepka a lot. And I would have thought it might have affected Rom as well. But Rom, Rom was in this zone, you guys, mentally, where he wasn't – he didn't look flustered when he was four down, and he looked even calmer when he got to be four up. It was really an amazing thing that he's done. I had Curtis Strange on the show this week, and he talked about how much, how much Rom has matured as a human being, having children, getting married, things like that. Back in the day, guys – Rom had a crazy explosive temper, and we used to watch him when we were doing the stuff with Fox. And if he had something bad happen to him in the first three or four holes of a tournament, he would he would blow himself out of the whole the entire week. And so he's really done a great job doing that. And the slow play it's 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 really tough, guys. It's 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 tough. We gotta we gotta do better out there, folks. We gotta just be ready to play <laughs> while your buddies are playing. Get ready to hit your shot. Choose your club. Figure out what to do, and then just get up there and fire away. Look, look what we did in MLB. We got a shot clock, <laughs> right. and the games are only. You know, we can do this in golf. That would be awesome, Jay. One name we didn't bring up was Tiger Woods. Uh, had to withdraw from the Masters. He looked. I mean, it just looked really bad. Randy's got his his red top and black shorts on. He's representing Tiger today. Uh, what did you? What do you, do you think? We're done seeing Tiger in, in these major events. Gary, that was that was painful. It was yeah. the worst part of the Masters. I said, you know, he couldn't have had a more perfect bad storm because he he's got to walk at Augusta, which is which is a, a challenge anyway. And then he gets the terrible weather, a lot of rain, and the cool temps. I mean, he 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 would have struggled had he had a good leg mm-hmm. because of you know just his age. And I. I'm afraid to even say that I've counted him out before and I'm not going to count him out now, but it does not look good. And, and um, I, I'm trying to figure out where I, I didn't, I didn't look and see where we're playing the PGA championship in May, but I know that the U S open is at LA country club uh, in, in June. And that is definitely a walkable course. It's got some Hills, but nothing like Augusta. So he just needs a lot. He needs a, a more perfect storm for him to, to do well, but, I think his days of of winning a major, I don't see it, Kerry. Unfortunately, do you know if he just goes out and walks like like as a training, like maybe walk hills or walk different areas to to start building up some of that stamina? Maybe that could help him when he has to play a golf course. Yeah, he's definitely doing that as much as he can. But right, right now, he's got this plantar fast, and I don't know if you guys have had it before. Oh, yeah. But- it's extremely painful. <laughs> and so I know he got a shot uh, in the leg before, in the foot actually, before Augusta. But, man, there was one point in time, I think it was on Friday, in the middle of that deluge, it didn't even look like he could put any weight on the right foot yeah. at all. So it's kind of like it's just another brick on the load for him, and it, it, it looked awful. And by the way, the, the BJ the is at, uh, it's at Oak Hill of all places. <laughs> so, oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> So it'll be tough up in Rochester, New York. Absolutely, it's a, that's a great, a great old venue, and he's played well there before. But it's not conducive to walking. The biggest thing, though, and I mean, I can vouch for it just at my age. It, it's this weather that we're having now. It's just so much more conducive to keep your body moving, keep the the muscles warm, and the cold and the damp is the worst thing you can have. 
Jay Delsing, thank you so much for the time. We're going to be tuned into the show on Sunday morning, as always, and we will talk to you soon. Great, guys. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. You too. Jay Delsing, you can hear him Sunday morning at 9 here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, MLB Network's lead anchor from St. Louis and the Lindenwood University, the one the only Greg Amzinger, is next on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. If your homework means a new deck, turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber St. Peter's is your go-to place for a huge selection of quality bedding plants, perennials, and hanging baskets. They also carry topsoil and potting mix for your gardening needs. Come visit all Hackman Lumber showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri or online at hackmanstl.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. of MLB Network scheduled to join us in this segment. He's got some real estate stuff happening up in the Northeast, and hopefully we'll be able to get Greg a lot of consternation about the Cardinals' starting rotation. Uh, Kerry Brook, let me just uh, throw out some things for you based on what we've seen, because we have made judgments here on the first couple of weeks of the season. Which of the pitchers would you have rather signed between Verlander and Rodon right now in, based <laughs> on the first two weeks of the season? Well, you you couldn't fa- you didn't know he was going to get injured with Rodon as the only thing. I think you might have had an idea. <laughs> Possibly. Yeah. Okay, let's throw Jacob DeGrom into the mix then with his 6 plus ERA. Would you have liked to have had that on the Cardinals right now? No. Jacob DeGrom. I I think people are kind of unrealistic and they think, "Okay, well, we're signing Justin Verlander from last year, which would have been great because he, because he won the Cy Young award in the American League." Yes. But Justin Verlander hasn't pitched this year. He has not. Uh, you, you talk about Carlos Rodon. He was terrific for the Giants last year. He had two good years after four years of being injured. He's really no different than Jack Flaherty. But Jack Flaherty is pitching. Rodon has yet to pitch this year. I understand the frustration with the fact that the Cardinal pitchers haven't pitched well. But to go out and suggest that the Cardinals wouldn't spend or made mistakes because they didn't go out and high, acquire a high price free agent. Could you imagine if they had a Verlander for $43 million and they would not have gone out and gotten Wilson Contreras and Andrew Kisner was their starting catcher and you had a Verlander that hadn't pitched yet and Andrew Kisner hitting 100? You think people would let, be fired up about that? They'd be a that little bit frustrated. Bad. Yeah. It would be bad. Yeah. And not that Wilson Contreras has lit the world on fire, but at least he hasn't been hurt. 
And when he did get hurt, he came back the next day. He did. So uh, I, 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 I get the frustration of getting off to a bad start. But I will suggest, and there are some really good fans, most these are the best listeners in sports, but this is a six-month season. It's not a two-week season, and I think that's one of the things that we run into is that we have a tendency to look at the snapshot rather than look at the big picture. Yeah, and then you'll have Adam Wainwright returning here soon, which you know I know that even you see texts about that. Look, Adam Wainwright is a very reliable arm for you, and I feel like that's something that can kind of help steady this starting rotation. They're even going to give Jake Woodford another shot, another start. Excuse me. <laughs> you could not start. Scary. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> oh, God. Start. Another start. <laughs> Look, it's Friday. It's Friday, okay? It's Friday. That's shot and start. <laughs> exactly. You know what I was doing there. So, another shot at a start. How about that? You go. like that, Carrie? Okay. I like that one. Another shot at a start. <laughs> I think you were right, though. It is. Is actually what you said. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, we're gonna get back on track here. Um, but you know, you're gonna give Woody another uh, shot at a start, <laughs> and then you have Matthew Limitor as well doing really well, as we mentioned yesterday in the minors. And Jordan Montgomery has pitched well in his first few starts. Last night, obviously, didn't get the finish that he wanted. He wanted to finish that game or finish that inning at least. Um, and he he's done well. I think Miles Michaelis will start to, to come back around and, and pitch a little bit better. He got a win in his last start. And Jack Flaherty, I mean, his ERA is good. He he, he mm-hmm. lowered his walks in his last, his last start. Maybe they're starting to come around. They haven't had, I don't think they've played a complete game yet in terms of pitching doing well and the lineup doing well. So we're still waiting on, you know, three or four of those games in a row where everybody is doing their job at a high level. Right now they aren't. If the pitching is doing well, they're not hitting well. Mm-hmm. If the hitting is good, they're not pitching well. So when, that, when, that, when those two things combine, you'll see the best, best version of the Cardinals. And there's, yeah, at, at the end of the day, we, we have to get... We, the the Cardinals, but we're, we're as, as a again. fan base, they, they just need to have guys kick in. It looks like Montgomery has kicked in. Yes. I'm going to be fine with Jack Flaherty if he continues along with a 1.75 ERA, 180 ERA for the whole season. If, if he does that, I think that'll be reasonable. I'm like you, Brooke. I think that Wainwright will come back and pitch well. That would mean that Woodford is out of the rotation. Miles Michaelis is going to be what he always is. That's not going to change. And uh, who am I leaving? Michaelis, Montgomery, Matz. Matz. He's a back-of-the-rotation guy. If you have a back-of-the-rotation guy making $11 million, that's what back-of-the-rotation guys make. And so he is what he is, and he's probably an 11-11 and pitcher with an earned run average of 4.5. Yeah, and I, and we even, you know, we touched on Jordan Hicks, too. You're looking at the bullpen. The bullpen is pretty solid, too, for the Cardinals. That if you can get your starting rotation to kind of right things, which it seems like they're trending in the right direction. As you mentioned, you have Jack Flaherty trending in the right direction. Jordan Montgomery looks really well. You're having Adam Wainwright return here very soon. Then you would hope that maybe your starting pitching can stay on the mound a little bit longer so it's not as much stress on the bullpen. Because you even look at Hennessy's Cabrera, he has been really good going to that game. It's just it seems like maybe he was a little gassed at that point. Yeah, and, and by the way, he's been impressive, hadn't he, Cabrera? So yeah. far, once he came up, had from a scoreless Memphis. streak. Yeah, so I, I'm, uh, I, I'm not as down on this group of players as the listeners are, and I again, I get impatience because we are in a microwave society, and 
everybody wants to be the Tampa Bay Rays. Everybody wants to start off 13-0. But there have only been a couple of teams in history that have done it. And yes, the Cardinals are getting off to a slow start. But I will remind you again that the best Cardinal teams of the last, in this century, the team that uh, was the best Cardinal team ever probably in 2004, uh, and then the uh, I go back to the 1985 team. The, those are the two best Cardinal teams that I've seen. And they both, at the end of, well, on Memorial Day, so April, May, at the end of May, both of them were right around the 500 mark. And then they took off. So what do you think about now, with Jordan Montgomery doing as well as he mm-hmm. is, do you sign him here soon? Or is this going to be something, he's a, squ- a Scott Boris client, yeah. so this is going to take a little bit. And he said that there had he would like to re-sign. He said that in spring training, but that he hadn't heard talks on their end yet. Yeah, I, I get the sense that the Cardinals have approached Scott Boris about uh, an extension. And, and obviously it takes two to tango, and Boris historically likes to take his guys into free agency. But uh, it's my impression that Montgomery himself is receptive, like you said, Brooke. It would need to be sooner rather than later. Yeah. I mean, he's he's pitching well. He's got seven innings in the last couple of starts. You want He's gotten to the seventh inning in his last couple of starts. You want to secure that before you get into June or July where he's really dealing eight and two and, and, and performing at a level where he is going to say, you, him and his agent say, yeah, you know what, we're going to see how these next few months go and then we're going to free agency and see how that pans out for us. If you can get this done... Earlier, it will be less costly. <laughs> it will cost less for you as a Cardinals uh, organization. And I'm guessing that he's probably a $30 million pitcher. That might not be something that the Cardinals have an appetite for, but they have to go there at some point. But he's, if you look at uh, the highest paid pitchers right now on in terms of AAV, uh, let me just uh, scroll down here. Okay, AAV right now. Scherzer at forty-three million. Verlander at forty-three million. Degrom at thirty-seven. He doesn't and want to Cy Young, so he doesn't get to that level yet. Garrett Cole at thirty-six million a year. But then you get to Strasburg, who hasn't pitched with his contract. He's at thirty-five. You have uh, uh, we're, we we can go down here pretty far now. Kershaw, his last contract was at thirty-one. I would say that. Montgomery's probably in that 28 to 30 range with where he is because he hasn't won a Cy Young and because he hasn't been a great, hasn't been able to show great postseason pedigree either. Well, and you're going to want to re-sign him because you also have to think ahead to next season, which we know the Cardinals will do as well. I mean, you re-signed Miles Michaelis, right? And then Steven Matz, you have him for next year. Mm Mm-hmm. Then? You need you, <laughs> then, you need then? some other guys, which of course we have. You know some of the guys in the minors, but you don't know when they will be ready specifically. So having somebody that you know has displayed what Montgomery has displayed. I mean, he you even have him lined up in the playoffs last season, and that's somebody that you would like to have here moving forward, especially as you're losing some key pieces from your starting rotation as well. You think he's a, a, a thirty million dollar pitcher? Because I'm thinking somewhere between. 21 and 26. 23 probably would be my I, – I would I would be able to hang my hat on that and say I did a good job. I think it's going to be uh, probably dependent upon what he does this year. Which That'll is why be, yeah. 23 if you sign him now, 30 if you wait to the end of the season How or about, if, you, if you wait until August and he's, he's willing and dealing. Yeah, and the Cardinals are averse to giving pitchers long-term contracts, but 150 over, over six – Twenty-five a year. I okay. I would do that. Okay. Okay Mo, you're listening. 
You, you've got the number right there. It's just been provided to you by the opening drive on one ESPN. <laughs> and thanks for tuning in. We do appreciate it. We do. Yeah. And by the way, nice job, too, on, on getting Jordan Montgomery for Harrison Bader. That was pretty good. That's a very good deal. Yeah. Uh, one other note here, by the way, when you were talking earlier about how Montgomery probably hasn't earned that cachet to yeah. be able to talk Ollie out of taking him out of the game. I'm really glad that Jose Quintana had that. Yeah, Last year in the playoffs, did. Randy, we, we're not gonna bring up old, old, <laughs> old happenings, old happenstance. We're not gonna continue to. Well, now Mosaic just turned past. it off. He's not <laughs> listening anymore. Good job, Randy. Good job. Hit the button and turn it off. <laughs> Punch the radio in the, in the car. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. Yo ho! Take it or leave it. Coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? We'll put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com. And start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Get your text in to the Air Comfort Service. Text line 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO. Take it or leave it. Brooke, Carrie, Randy, and Matthew. Kids, the Tampa Bay Rays set a modern major league record. Tied a modern major league record last night with their 13th win to start the season. They're 13-0. and the Rays doing that with the number 28 payroll in baseball. Take it or leave it. In the long run, the Tampa Bay Rays' success is going to be bad for baseball players. Oh. Because teams are going to think they can win cheap. I'll, this is early uh, on. But they go to the they, playoffs all the time. If they start winning multiple championships in this, fas- in this fashion, yeah, you're going to have... But you know, Randy, you're not able to you know, duplicate the success at other places. you got people that are well-trained, well-versed in how they're going about their scouting and how they're going about. You always have people try to pull people from that organization, and it doesn't always match up or or pan out in the way that it did in that organization. So I think I'll leave it because I think, A, you're not going to get the MLB Players Association to (laughs) agree to start getting paid less. They're going to continue to. They don't have have a cap or a floor. Yeah, well, they're going to. You're going to have some of the better players still waiting to get that big payday. So. Yeah. I just, this is a franchise, they're going to make the playoffs for the fifth year in a row. And every single year, they've had a bottom five payroll. They got to win a championship. Well, I, I think a lot of teams would be happy to do what they're doing. It's return on investment, right? Yeah. It's If you can make the playoffs every year with the bottom five payroll, you're probably making a lot of money. I, I you, you, It's possible. I agree. Brandy, I was scouring, looking for a take it or leave it. And I just came up with this. OBJ said that he was not guaranteed any assurances that Lamar Jackson would be in Baltimore when he signed his deal. Take it or leave it, Lamar is not going to be playing in Baltimore this year. I'm going to leave that. I still think he's going to wind up being there. All right. I don't know. We can party all day and night, Randy. Gonna, <laughs> Until Baltimore I feel like it pays sweetens me. it a little bit, having OBJ there. A little? Just See, a little? You think that excites him? If this him? was 2019... You know, if this was, I think he's still an elite 
receiver. I would say maybe just a tier below elite receiver. I don't. I think there are still better receivers out there because he's had he's coming off another ACL injury. He hasn't played football in an entire year. Um, I think the name gets us excited, but I need to see the performance after having been injured for a second time. Here's what I'm thinking, and, and it's this is independent of the OBJ signing. I think if there was another team that was hot after Lamar Jackson, we'd know it by now. Well, draft is coming up, right? Yeah. And so we'll see how that the draft pans out. pans out because if a team does not, if the Indianapolis Colts can't get the guy that they want, uh, who, who are we? Maybe the guy that they want is C.J. Stroud. They've talked Will Levis is on. Maybe Will Levis is picked by someone else. You never know how it's going to go in this in this first day of the draft. So if the if the Colts can't get their guy, it might be uh, knocking on Lamar. See. By the way, with the offense or with the new head coach Shane Sykin in Indy, who had Jalen Hurts, that'd be a great place for Lamar to land with that skill set. Yes. All right. So I don't know if you guys saw this, but Paul George had a very hot take. Paul George says that NBA players have a better chance of playing in the NFL than NFL players playing in the NBA. Take it or leave it. NBA players have a better chance of playing in the NFL than NFL players playing in the NBA. I would say to a degree I would take it because NFL players are not as all of them are not as fluid and or, graceful. or as and graceful. Basketball players are are very graceful. Now, with that being said, NFL players do get hit all the time. So that's the difference. I know plenty of basketball players that have put on a helmet and said, yeah, that ain't for me, dog. Kevin Durant is not playing wide receiver no in the NFL. Way. No. We, Maybe in this version, no. but not in the 80s. No, he. I think he's so skinny. I think he, I don't think he lasts the game. You're probably right. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's there is a, a, a level of, uh, for lack of a better word, violence associated with football that I don't know that most basketball players would uh, want to partake in. I, I can pick out more guys that play football that I think would be effective on the basketball court yeah. than basketball players that I think would be. Eff- LeBron obviously could play, right, or in his prime, in his athletic prime. He, he was a a build like an NFL player, but just look at the builds of basketball players. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing. Even a guy like Draymond Green tried to play college football and it didn't go well. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, It's a physical sport that is much more physical than basketball, you know, than, than big man, big men elbowing each other in the, in the post. You got to get, you're going to get hit. And there are some very strong individuals. Strong enough. Have you seen Aaron Donald move people with one hand? Oh, yeah. Right. And I don't know if you no, want to bother we, we do have, historically, we've had guys like uh, Antonio, uh, or no, uh, Gates. Gates. Gates, yeah, Antonio Gates. Gates. Played. Tony Gonzalez played college yep. uh, basketball. Jimmy Graham played yep. college basketball. Yep. So a lot of those guys moved Julius to be Julius Peppers. Tight ends. Yep. Yeah. Well, you even think there's some you know big guys that I've also seen, and I'm sure you've seen in the past too, that will go work out as possibly a tight end for some NFL teams. Yeah. Because yeah. Hassan French, remember, for the Billikens, he actually yeah. tried out with the Titans. Yeah. It, it happens. The best uh, basketball football player that, that that comes to my mind is Charlie Ward. He was Heisman good. winner mm-hmm. and, and an NBA also, point yeah, pretty good, Really good point. Yeah. Everyone claims that Allen Iverson would have been Mike Vick before Mike yeah. Vick had he played football. Yeah. Yeah. But Charlie Ward actually played yeah, college true. football, yeah. won a Heisman, yeah. and I wanted, then chose the NBA, which I was I still amazing. want to see Russell Westbrook play either running back or safety. It's always been like something like in my head. <laughs> He's fast. It's been Russell yeah. Westbrook and Derrick Rose. I've always wanted to see what they could have done if they played running back or safety because I think it would have been fascinating to watch. <laughs> what do we got on the text line there, Matthew? <laughs> I have to read this one. Coca-Cola's new slogan is, Taste the Feeling. 
Take it or leave it. Your Coke needs something a little bit stronger to let you taste feelings. <laughs> Yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, I'll take that. That also reminded me of, did you, anybody else stop and listen during the NCAA tournament when they would do the hard break to the Coca-Cola ads and to be like, and we're here 34-37 Clemson here in the second half. What's the best Coke you've ever had? Here with Coca-Cola. And it was like, that was the hard change to the ad throughout the yeah, entire probably, NCAA tournament. And it was odd every single time. Probably shouldn't be asking what's the best Coke you've ever had while you're showing it. College tournament, probably not. I don't think, I don't think that was too. I don't think that was thought out very well. <laughs> Take it or leave it. Oh, Carry football players are just basketball players that weren't tall enough. Uh, to a degree, yeah. But football <laughs> players are also basketball players that were tougher. So, you know, uh, <laughs> or, or basketball players were football players that weren't tough enough. So, I think Orlando could have played in the NBA. Orlando Pace. I would have lied. I, I told you I had a teammate who was a. Uh, uh, offensive lineman who was the most nimble, graceful basketball player that I had. Brett Kiesel was mm-hmm. like Mr. Wow. Basketball in, in Wyoming, I think. he We used to hoop. he say, hey, CD, just throw it up. Excuse me? J- just throw it up. <laughs> this is a defensive lineman. Just throw it up. I'll go get it. 6'5", 280? He was a freak athlete. Well, and typically I feel like D linemen have like really yeah. long wingspans mm-hmm. too, yep. Yep. so that helps. Remember Alex Barron? He was mad that he was in the NFL. He wanted to play <laughs> in the NBA. He didn't want to play in the NFL. Take, be a good guy, man. <laughs> take it or leave, the number of the day is five. The Cardinals have not won game one of their series so far this season. Well, and gave up uh-huh. five runs last night. Huh. And they gave up five runs? Yeah, that's uh, the number of the day. Oh, I don't know if we have that or not. I think we do have five. The number of the day scheduled to arrive. The number of the day is five. Thank you. All right, on. Take your leave. The Cardinals will join the Blues in missing the playoffs this year. I think I'm going to leave that. Let's leave that. I'm going to leave that. Collective sigh from the dais. Because here's the thing. I've seen that all. Have you guys seen that too? All over social media of people just being like, oh, this is going to be blues all over again. It's like, I one, can't compare the two. And then the other thing is, it's it's just two weeks into the season. You, you got to give the, the blues fans time to kind of decompressed from that, that season. That was very it, it traumatic. Just, it just yes. ended. They're, they're, they're going through, uh, 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 you know, just, just... They're in their feels. They're, in their feels. Definitely. <laughs> they're, feelings. they're tasting their feelings. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're back. <laughs> Two weeks, they'll be back to, back to normal, yeah. and it'll be all good. Here's my question. Okay, and let's be rational. Let's take away our Cardinal fandom here. Oh. Are the Cardinals worse than the Reds? No. On paper? No. Are the Cardinals worse than the Cubs? On paper? No. Last night, notwithstanding, are the Cardinals worse than the Pirates? No. On paper, no. No. Are the Cardinals worse than the Brewers? On paper, no. That's no. pretty good. They are not worse than the Brewers. On the standings, yes. To all On those questions. <laughs> well, yeah. And that's, <laughs> we are we are thirteen games into the season, uh, and fortunately, I'll, I'll reiterate. Fortunately, we don't have only three games left. There this we is go. not the National Football League. We're 13 games in. We're 5-8. and eight, You know. Almost a tenth of the way into the season, Almost. Um, Take it or leave it. Santa Claus wraps up two gifts for City on route to a victory this week. I'll take that 100%. Let's do it. No doubt about it. We've been, we've been, we've been needing some W's on the pitch and haven't had one in a, in a while. We do need 
uh, a W on the pitch, and I'm glad that uh, Klaus is is ready to go. We're on to Cincinnati. Yeah, there we yeah. go. Yeah. Okay. This, good. This, thank you, Matthew. This is, thank you, Randy. Well, you you had a comment. Oh yeah, there, there was a hot take here. Oh, I, good. I, I like hot. Everyone's takes. gonna hate this one. Take Dude. it or leave it. Dippin' Dots are better than Ben and Jerry's, but Bush Stadium has Ben and Jerry's more accessible than Dippin' Dots. Oh, I love Dippin' Dippin Dots. Dippin Dots is, is elite. Wow, ben and I'm Jerry's surprised is by really this. good. Dippin' yep. Dots what? is My entire Dippin life, I've been faced with people hating Dippin' Dots despite the fact that I love them, and I've oh, always been in the minority. There's something about it. Yeah, there's something about it. Thank you. Here's how it just comes together. And it's special because you can get it in places. You can't get Dippin' Dots at a store, right? Yes. But half Ben and Jerry's half-baked. That's some quality ice cream right there. When they just started putting that fudge cylinder in the middle, I was like, all right, geniuses, you got my money. Yep, absolutely. Dippin' Dots are just so cool. I just remember like growing up and like thinking like, oh, this is like the future right here. Mm -hmm. This is so cool. It's a it was a brilliant it idea. Was, was. I still yeah. don't know how they do it, but it's awesome. It's great. People smarter than me. <laughs> hey, uh, thank you, Matthew. Thanks very much for your text. Coming up, Cardinals have been to the playoffs fifteen times in this century. The Pirates have been to the playoffs three times in this century. So why are the Cardinals able to do it in essentially the same size market? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. St. Louis, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Guys, it's interesting that the Cardinals are taking on the Pirates this week because the Pirates have been to the playoffs three times in the century from 2001 through 2022. They have won three postseason games. The Cardinals, on the other hand, have won. Let me uh, make sure that I get this correct here. They have won uh, Seven, okay, so we're at 23. The Cardinals have won 66 postseason games in this century. The Pirates have won three. The Cardinals are in the 24 market. The Pirates are in the 26 market. They're essentially the exact same market financially, in terms of population, in terms of demographics. So why are the Cardinals able to do what they do in investing back into their product by drawing fans? And the Pirates, even when they had that three-year run where they did make the playoffs, haven't been able to do it. Is it just a matter of... Are the DeWitt family being willing to spend more? Are the Cardinals smarter? Why have the Cardinals been better than the Pirates? The Pirates have fans. They, <laughs> when, you know what? When they were good, they showed up big time. Pittsburgh has a good But I'm saying, have you not seen sometimes? I mean, they have a beautiful stadium. It's amazing. It's an amazing backdrop, too. And the fans can be very sparse. And I would be, too. I would be kind of, if I got, like, maybe a free ticket or maybe I would go see them. But... It's they don't put a product out there sometimes, and they just don't invest in their players. I I would imagine. Remember, we had Adam Wainwright on on Wednesday, and he talked about how he felt really lucky talking to other players from other teams yeah. about the fact of like, okay, wow, I didn't realize like every single year we're competing, we're knowing that we're trying for the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Other guys don't. They're like, well, you know, we'll just see how the season goes. They don't know what's going to happen. They know that playoffs is unlikely. I can imagine that some of those players were Pirates players that he was talking about. Yeah, and Colorado, Kyle Freeland, I would guess was yeah. one of those. But I, I look at why, I wonder, and 
I think it comes down to ownership. There's a lot of criticism of Bill DeWitt here in St. Louis. But you don't see Bob Castellini in Cincinnati going out and trading for Paul Goldschmidt when he could have. You don't see the Pirates owner going out and trading for Paul Goldschmidt or signing or trading for Jordan Montgomery or signing a a player of the ilk, even of, of Miles Michaelis. You don't see the Cubs going out and... When's the last time the Cubs got a superstar like Arenado or Goldie? Uh, I guess when they signed John Lester, that would be the closest thing. They mm-hmm. developed Rizzo. Uh, well, Rizzo came in a trade, but he essentially grew into a major leaguer there, and Bryant and, the, yep. and those guys. Uh, the Brewers, they traded for Christian Yelich and signed him, but they don't, don't go out and get those players. So here we are with similar market sizes, apples to apples comparisons, and I have to say that the Cardinals... A, have a deeper commitment, but B, are smarter because the Cardinals are drafting in the 20s every year. There's no reason for the Cardinals to have Jordan Walker and nobody else in the division to have him. Yeah, that, I think that when you talked about the cities, Pittsburgh and St. Louis, how comparable they are, it, it is very comparable. I think it's just the 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 history of what the Cardinals organization is. It, it's There's a difference, I, and I talked about this all the time with the Steelers and, and the Cardinals, how I think those two two organizations are so closely related mm-hmm. because of the cities, because of the, the championships, because of the expectations. When you have a, a an organization, Pittsburgh has had some very good baseball players. A- a- Andrew McCutcheon has been a star in his time there. They had Starlin Marte, who was a star. I thought he was going to be a send to one of the star type of roles. They just weren't able. It's hard to win a championship, and it's it's hard to be consistent year after year after year when you don't have uh, that organizational kind of philosophy or idea or DNA. Really, if you if you're not an organization that is accustomed to winning, they haven't won since the seventies. Seventy nine was their last world championship. There you go. So you, when you don't have a a an organization that is accustomed to that, it becomes hard to sustain that success. And I think there's something to be said for stability. That's one thing that the Steelers and the Cardinals have in common is that whether it's Mike Tomlin and it was Kevin Colbert before he retired, and with the Cardinals, it's Mo, who's mm-hmm. been around since 1996 when the when the DeWitt family took over the franchise. I think that stability is a positive, not a negative. I know there's a lot of observers that would love to have the team go through a general manager every two years, mm-hmm. but that's just not how you sustain success in Major League Sports, not just Major League Baseball. You need to to be a great franchise. You need to have stability. And if you look at the best franchises, the the Dodgers have had stability in the front office and in the dugout for a long time now. If you look at football, when you look at the Steelers, when you look at what the Packers have been able to accomplish, if you look at hockey right now, the, the Colorado Avalanche, the longest tenured coach in the NHL is John Cooper in, in Tampa Bay. Stability is a huge role. Steve Kerr yeah. and uh, uh, the Bob Meyer, Rob yep. Myers, right? Rob Myers. Bob Myers, yep. the, the GM and, and coach with Golden State. The best franchises that sustain success have stability. I agree, I, and and it helps. It, that that's what helps. It's just that transition is as smooth as possible, and really, it becomes. It, it's about having star players, having great management, coaches, and, and GMs that understand that what it takes to get people in there, and and what it takes to win championships and co- be competitive. You can you see teams have kind of flash in the pan where they're good one year, but are they consistently good, and are they consistently getting better? year after year like you go from the the wild card to now you're in the NLCS and NLCS and and now you're in the championship game and winning those games 
it's it's hard to do. And like I said, it's harder when you just don't have that that type of championship DNA in your organization. Let me give you a perfect example that is totally relatable. It's the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. They go to the playoffs with Baker Mayfield. He has a bad year. They dump him and get Deshaun Watson. They go through coaches every two years. Yes. They go through general managers like they're going out of style. It's just the Haslam ownership there is just a bad organization. It's, yeah. so, it, it's something when you walk into a building and you can see the championships and you know it's been done there, it, it changes your philosophy as a player as to what is possible. So looking at, I pulled up the um, MLB payrolls for this year, and the Pirates are 27th, 27th in the league. Tampa Bay Rays are right behind Mm -hmm. them. Pirates are 27th in the league. I think, look, the Pirates deserve, because you do have, as you guys were mentioning, that rich history for the Pirates where they have had, and they do get great players, but I can't imagine with some of the players, you just kind of know that nothing is being fully right. invested. And those fans do deserve better because it is, as you know, Carrie, a city of champions. Yeah. And so that's nothing against the Pirates. The Pirates can only control as much as their ownership is willing to spend and put out there for the product on the field and actually invest in these guys. Well, I, I just think the Pirates missed their window. Like that that run where you said they made it to the playoffs three years in a row, was that 12, 13, 14, mm-hmm. uh, that window was your time. You had some guys on that team that could play some baseball, and you just weren't able to get over that hump and sustain that success. And they also had Garrett Cole, let him get away. They traded him. They had Joe Musgrove. They let him get away and, and traded him. And rather than investing in your good players, Adam Wainwright spent his entire career with the Cardinals. Uh, Yadier Molina spent his entire career with the Cardinals. The Cardinals lost Pujols, but in this century that we're talking about, what other major impact players have the Cardinals not been able to keep? They kept Matt Holiday to the end of his career. Mm-hmm. They've got Arenado and Goldie to the end of, of their careers. Uh, Carlos Beltran had a pretty good cu- couple of years after he left here, but he certainly wasn't an impact guy. Cardinals have not had him. Just trying to go around the diamond here. Edgar Renteria didn't do an awful lot after he left here. It's not like the Cardinals have let impact players get away. No. Well, and, and even Albert Pujols returned, mm-hmm. too, for yeah. his final season. So anyway, I just I, I think that sometimes we look at the Cardinals in a micro view and we see the fact that they're through 13 games, whatever, six and seven or whatever, whatever however many games they've won and lost. It doesn't matter in April. But it really doesn't matter in April. But here's the thing. At least they try. And if you yeah. look around this division, if you take a more macro view than the micro view, if you're a Cardinal fan, your, your franchise is trying. They are. Randy, I wanted to ask you something. We talked about it. I don't know if we talked about it on air yesterday, but you're talking about Cardinal killers, uh, guys that mm-hmm. just do their thing against the Cardinals. Yeah. Where, where is Andrew McCutcheon on that? He's on, on that, that list. list. Is he? Yeah. Where, where at? Is oh, he? Top, he's, he's top five? Uh, he, let's if we, look at the, if we look at the century, yeah, he's top five. Okay. Yeah, there's people that, I mean, there, there was a Mets player named John Milner who just <laughs> killed the Cardinals in the 70s. Hank Aaron just ate the Cardinals alive. Really? Yeah. Well, he, but he probably ate in, everybody uh, Barry alive. was a Cardinal killer. Yeah. Barry Bonds was a Cardinal killer. But yeah, I think McCutcheon is is right there. I think Freddie Freeman is mm-hmm. on that list uh, of guys. That's another Votto, you know, the Reds really yeah. haven't won much. Votto, yeah. but, but Votto has done some damage against yeah. us over the years. Well, There's and then Castellanos? Yeah, somebody, so some people are texting in Randy Rosarina and Sandy Alcantara. Now, you're talking about guys who, of course, you look at that now. Impact free agent players who got away as free agents. Yes, yes, just for clarification. Yeah. 
you do hate to see how successful those guys are. It's like watching the ex just go off and just kill it. <laughs> but, right. You're, just, you're happy for here, him, but not really. But here's the you thing. Know? You have to look at it as a portfolio. Okay, so sure. You lost Sandy Alcantara in the, in the trade for Marcelo Zuna. Who are you mad about that you gave up for? So we're not going to make any trades. We're not just going to pick out one. We're not going to make any trades. Who are you upset about that you gave up for, for Arenado and Goldschmidt? Nobody. So, no. so if we're going to quit making trades, we're going to quit making trades. <laughs> so together. we're going to have Patrick Wisdom <laughs> at first, right? And we're going to have Ilharis Montero at third base. Yes, we have Alcantara on the mound and Zach Gallen, but we're we're not making trades anymore because we just can't pick and choose with twenty twenty hindsight. We just have to stop doing it. And the listen, I understand the Randy Rosarino one because Matthew Libertor hasn't had that impact yet. He's rocking and rolling now, though. Oh, no oh, baby. one. <laughs> like I just need to stop bringing up Sandy Alcantara because literally, had they not made that trade on this station, you would have been you would have been fending off a horde of fans that were complaining about offensive production and outfield production because there was there would have been no Marcelo Zuna, and they needed a bat that year. And there Marcelo was. Zuna was coming off not only a silver slugger season where he had a 9-12 OPS and I think 34 home runs, 37, 37 home runs, but he had also won a gold glove. Yeah. He was a gold glove and silver slugger winner. And yes, the Cardinals, they knew Alcantara was good. They didn't know he was this good, but they knew he was good. But they also knew they had to give up something to get something, and that was the best bat on the market available to them. They... Interestingly, yeah, Stanton uh, yeah. was. They wanted Stanton, and they, Stanton they wanted Stanton, wanted, and they were ready us. to pick up the contracts too. Yeah, I. You just made me think of Marcelo Zuna, one of my favorite, probably not best moments with Marcelo. Remember when he it climbed the, the wall? Outfield. When yeah. he climbed yeah. the wall, and he was. I mean, it was so far off, yeah. so far off. Yeah. Gold glove, yeah. baby. Yeah. Right. Was, Bro, what was, are you doing? That was the wildest great. thing yeah. ever. Yeah. It was the wildest thing ever. Yeah. I, I want to give you one more point about the trade for Matthew Libertor. We were in the fast lane, and the Cardinals announced that trade several years ago. People were way more upset about losing Jose Martinez. People were not looking at yeah. at, at uh, Randy Rosarena. Oh, they're trading away a future superstar. People were really mad about them giving yeah. up Jose Martinez. So again, you're looking at it with 2020 hindsight. But that right. particular night, Cardinal fans were more upset about losing. The, the Jose Martinez for Libertor than they were about Rosarena for Libertor. No, I remember that. Yeah, I remember that was the, that was the biggest thing because of course everybody loved Jose Martinez. Yes. He would have thrived, by the way, in that DH role, and yeah. he was just a fan favorite. And I remember like Randy, he had that Randy Rosarena had that incident with the recording. Remember mm-hmm. of all yeah. that, and so people were just kind of like, oh, okay, you know. And right. then he just went on to be a superstar. He's, he's Randy Rosarena. That is today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. Coming up, Joe Vitale joins us on the heels of the end of the Blues season. Joey is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. It's the opening drive on 101 ESPN, and for the first time in Joe Vitale's broadcasting career, his team, the Blues, are not making the playoffs. Joe with us on the Celebrity Line here on 101 ESPN. So how do you feel about that, Joseph? You know, Brady, I was feeling kind of bad about myself last night, but then I woke up this morning, and it was actually my kids. It was Donuts with Dad. Perfect. Love that. So if there's anything that could, you know, 
uh, cover up and mask the, the sadness and the tears in my eyes. No, nothing does it like a donut, so I'm doing much better now. <laughs> are you guys going to uh, Disney World this summer? We are. I'm actually taking my daughters here in a couple of weeks. Uh, we planned this about a month, month and a half ago, and we started noticing the Blues may be falling out around that trade deadline. We're like, ah, this may not be good. So I'm taking my two daughters. It's a girl's trip, and my, my, my youngest daughter is two. It's Birdie. And my oldest, of course, is now is 12, so it's going to be a girl's trip only with Dad. And my daughter, Birdie, she goes around the house every day, and she continually tells everyone that she's going to Disney World, and she loves to point out who's not going to Disney World. She'll say, Harper, you're not going. Bodie, you stay home. Mama, not, you're, not coming. you're not coming. Mama, stay. Stay. Shepard, stay. Daddy, take me. And she, every day, and the, and the boys are starting to get a little fed up with it. But uh, so certainly, I'm teaching her very early to, to stir the pot, which is, uh, is you know, every every father needs to make sure they're, they're establishing that with their daughters, I think. I, I like that. Does she have her favorite place that she likes to go to in Disney World? She's, she's really into Elsa Brooke right now. So when we go to Hollywood Studios, they have maybe the coolest show, I think, in all of Disney World down there. It's the it's the Frozen uh, sing-along musical where it's uh, it's partly these actors who come in and, and of course, they, they do a little bit of a script. And it's so funny. The narrators are terrific. And then it's half on a big screen where, of course, then the kids and, and the adults can sing their heart out. To along with with the songs, and it's even cooler because it's kind of a dark studio where you really look around. And if it was a bright one, adults we don't like to sing these songs, you know. <laughs> but since it's dark, like I'm, you should, I'm screaming my heart out. I'm saying "Let it go!" Like top of my lungs. I'm standing up. I'm hoping, hollering. And at the end, they shoot out. Of course, these uh, Elsa comes out, and it's a huge surprise. And they and they shoot these basically these these bubbles, these bubble machines, but it looks like snow falling. And, of course, my daughter is, is really, really pumped and excited about that. Uh, and then, of course, the frozen rye, which is in Epcot. Uh, this is when I realized my wife took it to a whole new level. She is, she is cutthroat when it comes to Disney World. And she has a motto. And she, put, she should put it on the Disney World shirt the next time we go. But if you're not cheating in Disney World, they're not trying. <laughs> I'll never forget. I mean, she, is, she has figured out every system. And I feel like the Disney people have continually had to adjust how they do things because of my wife, because she is that cutthroat. We were at the frozen ride a couple of years ago and apparently our fast passes got messed up. We got from the airport. We're flying over there. We're trying to get in there. We end up, we end up missing it. So I go to talk to the lady. I explain what's going on. And she said, they can't help us out. And my wife, I, I saw the horns come out through her hair and she goes, give me that baby. Give me that baby. All the babies with me. Joe, you stay here. And she's dragging like five kids with her. She's sweating. And she starts talking to this lady and all of a sudden, she looks back at me. She kind of gives me the hand like, let's go, honey. I'm like, okie dokie. So she made up some story. And, of course, uh, you know what? They When they see a mama bear with her, her cubs and it's a frozen ride and they know how much money we're spending down there, uh, the Disney people traditionally are really good about it. Well, I guess we'll get into some blues talk now. <laughs> Obviously, you don't like to see the way that the season ended. And this is a question that actually Jeremy Rutherford put on Twitter last night that I thought was really good because it garnered a lot of different responses who is your MVP of the Blues from this season? Oh, man, I tell you what, there, there, are, there are a few that come to mind. Uh, I'll give some no, no, notable mentions right off the hop here, Brooke. Um, you know, I know the, the numbers were not great, but I looked at this kid and he competed every single night. He kept his team in a position to be competitive. And, of course, without him, it could have been really, really bad. To me, that was Jordan Bennington. So I, I need to, of course, acknowledge him. 
Um, you know, another player, of course, who really has exploded from an offensive side of things is Jordan Cairo. There's certainly more there defensively. There's certainly more there from a decision-making, which is natural. It's completely normal for a kid of his age. It hasn't been in the league that long to be making these mistakes. So it's, it's nothing against Cairo, but certainly there, there's another step there. But offensively, you have to really applaud the numbers because they do speak for themselves. But if I had to put it on one player that you looked at all year long from a consistent standpoint, I can't think of more than one hand if I'm counting the games where he was just off. And to me, that, that shows an MVP style of player. Uh, it would be Justin Falk. On the back end there, you know, he got his 50 points, which is, of course, for a defenseman, a really good marker. And I think that Justin certainly brought that consistent defensive savviness, a player that played all around, killed penalties. He ran power plays, uh, dependable 23, 24 minutes every single night. He was one of those players. Then Craig Berube sent out there, and you really felt good about that everything is gone. The ice is probably going to be taken care of just when he's out there. I mean, that's how Ryan O'Reilly was in his prime here, where every time O'Reilly was out there, it was just Mr. Dependable. And I think Justin Falk, to me, from top to bottom, consistently all year long, for what he brought and taking it up another level on most of these games, I, to me, he's the MVP. Joey, what are your takeaways from this season? I know it's it's one day. It, it, it really hasn't set in. But do you have any takeaways from what you saw or, or, or what you would like to see going into next year? Well, I tell you what, the biggest thing, Kerry, that you know, I talked to Ryan O'Reilly about this a few years ago. We had an awesome conversation about he was having a great year at the time. And we talked about, you know, great players, players and it was a really in-depth um, kind of open my eyes conversation type of thing. And one thing she said that really stood out is he said, the biggest thing between good players and great players is that great players, they, they keep those, those valleys short. And what he meant by that was that every player goes through ups and downs of a year. Every team goes through ups and downs. But the good, the great players and the great teams they figure out a way to keep those little valleys, those little bumps. They figure out a way to get out of them quickly, and they don't stay in those valleys very long. Now, you look at, you look at the St. Louis Blues this year, the streakiness speaks volumes to what he was talking about, where when things started going off the rails a little bit, it was really hard for this team to get it back on the rails. You know, that's why we saw those five-game losing streaks and eight-game losing streak. I mean, for a while there, just, there wasn't a lot of bounce back. You compare that to the Boston Bruins, who were very successful, they'd have one bad game, and they'd jump right back in the mix, and they, they would respond with a really good game. So that, to me, is what was what really the Blues were missing this year, and there's a whole laundry list of probably items that this coaching staff and Doug Armstrong view as why that is, whether it be the defensive zone responsibilities, whether it be special teams, whether it be you know injuries at times, whatever it was, there, there was reasons for that. But in a nutshell – they, when they went to their bumps and they went in those little valleys of the season, they just did not have that fight back and that, that giddy-up to rebound as quickly as they needed to. And, of course, all the streakiness uh, led to 500 hockey all year long. And that's what we saw. We never really saw this team go below three games under 500. We never saw them go above, really, three games over 500. So it was always right in the middle right there. And so I think, you know, moving into next year, Certainly is going to be – there's so many options for Doug Armstrong right now, which he's put himself and his organization in a great spot because of the draft picks, you know, because of the cap space they have available. 
Um, lots of different details heading into this offseason, which is going to make it very interesting. Hey, Joey, uh, I've told you before, and I've said it on the air many times, I really appreciate your intelligence and your curiosity. You're educated at CBC and at Northeastern University. So uh, how do you pronounce C-R-A-Y-O-N? <laughs> oh, no. C-R-A-Y-O-N. Crayon. What? Yes, he yes. Says, it's a St. Louis thing. It's a St. Louis thing. It's a CBC thing. There's a Y in there. C R A Y O N. Yeah. Oh, so you're saying crayon? Is that what we're supposed to say? Crayon. The way he says that. I love it. He said it. I said I'm like crayon. The the Y is silent, Joey. The Y. Yeah. The the Y is silent. The Y is silent. Oh, okay. Yeah. The Y is silent. Brooke is completely off the rails. Brooke, give him yours. Well, okay, I'm going to put Ryder in this, too. Mike okay. Ryder also says it this way. I, I, It was my first reaction was crown. Crown? No, no, no. No, no, no. This like, this, like uh, this reminds me of the conversation that Billy Madison had with his dad when his dad was trying to get him. Uh, to understand that he couldn't pass first grade when he makes him spell rock, R-O-K. He's like, yeah. He's like, R-O-C-K. Oh, the C is silent. No, listen. The Y is silent. The Y is silent, fellas. Come on. The Y is silent. It's crayons. Just get the crayons out. Crayons. Crayons. Crayon. No, no Y. There's no Y. Y is silent. Hey, Kerry, you spend too much time with all those yinzers up in Pittsburgh. Yeah, that's what it is. Yinzers, yes. All your yinzers with the yinglings and your Y. You guys are big, big, big fans of the Ys. How do you say, how do you say, do you say 44 or 44? Uh, I say highway I think highway forty four west. I get off at Wally's. I bring my kids to that Wally's. We spend about four hours there, right off the exit. <laughs> Joey so we, we, go, we, we take forty four way out there. The the pizza at Wally's is sensational. Oh Popcorn there. Uh, if you like jerky, they and I'm not a jerky guy, but they uh, apparently have good jerky there i'm with you i could spend four hours in there too their jerky is phenomenal i i am a oh yeah they 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 weigh it on the scale i'm telling you parents out there adults whoever if you have an afternoon to kill it's a really hot this summer it's a rainy day people are always like oh, let's go to the zoo let's go to the aquarium i take my kids wallet <laughs> they have all the gifts they play with all the toys for like three hours and it's perfect because then after three hours they're tired of the toys then we just put the toys back we're going to buy them and then we're not, adding, we're not adding toys which i know some people are like oh come on you can't if you're going to play three hours with the toys you got to buy the toy but no way not me i whenever i go to that starbucks barnes and noble mix i always get my coffee I always pick out a magazine. I sit down at the table. I drink my coffee. I read my magazine, and I put that on my magazine. And I know people don't like that, and people think, "Hey, you're crazy." But at the same time, I'm also paying seven dollars for a Starbucks coffee, so I feel like I can, I can, I can peruse. Let's call it. I can peruse through a magazine. I feel okay with it. And Wally's is cheaper than Disney World too. Oh, buddy, yes. <laughs> you know what? That's- that's actually now that I think about it, it's probably uh, it's probably more of a financially responsible decision. Maybe I'll take my daughter to Wally World next year. <laughs> Joey V, you're our favorite guest every single week during the season, and we always love talking to you. We appreciate you coming on, and uh, we'll be ready to do it again in September when the Blues get up and rolling again. Have a great off season, and I'm sure we'll communicate. Of course, we always will. And uh, Kerry Brook, uh, you guys as well have a wonderful off season. Rain, it's always a pleasure. I, I love these Friday mornings with you guys and. 
and we'll be listening in, and you guys have a great, great summer. Thank you, Thank sir. You. Sir, take care. Okay, bye-bye. That's Joe Vitale with us on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we need a fighter for the fight. Just text in to 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO, 399-YOHO, and the word fight, and perhaps Matthew will pick you to fight against me here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight! In the red corner, average Joe listener! And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive! Please welcome Randy Carricker! Carrie Davis joined by Brooke Grimsley, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter today is Rich. Rich, how you doing? That good, Carrie. How are you? Doing great. Are you uh, ready to take on Megamind? Ooh, I'm trying to keep cool, but I'm going to give him my best. All right, here we go. Tonight's play-in game will decide the NBA's eighth seed in the playoffs, which franchise is the last to win a first round as an eighth seed, doing so in 2011. Was it the Denver Nuggets? The Memphis Grizzlies or the Dallas Mavericks? Okay. Um, I am going to go. I know the Nuggets did it. They were like the first team to do it. So maybe it's not them. I'm going to go. I'm going to go Memphis. All right. The Blues finished below 500 for the first time since the 2007-2008 season when they ended up with the fourth overall pick. Who did they draft with that pick? Eric Johnson, Patrick Berglund, or Alex Petrangelo? Oh, man. Oh, man. I'm not good with hockey. Let me see. Uh, I remember Eric Johnson being a really high pick. I'm going to go Eric Johnson. All right. There's a movie being produced about Nat Sweetwater Clifton, who was the third African-American to play in the NBA by just four days. Who was the first African-American to ever play in the NBA? Was it Chuck Cooper, Harold Hunter, or Earl Lloyd? Uh, I'm going to go Earl Lloyd. There are only three golfers to win back-to-back Masters tournaments. The obvious answers are Jack Nicholas and Tiger Woods, but who is the only other golfer to do it, pulling off the feet across the uh, across 89 and 90? Is it Sam Snead, Bernhard, Bernhard Langer, or Nick Faldo? Faldo. All right, we'll double-check the scores and bring in Randy Carricker. Rich, how you feeling? Uh... See, I, I, I'm I'm feeling rough, but uh, hopefully, 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 Randy doesn't have a great day today. But I know I know better. Randy, Randy usually doesn't have many off days. He had a day earlier this week where he got zero right, which was a, a phenomenon. <laughs> I've never never seen that. that I was... didn't either. <laughs> <laughs> it's an off day. Say hello to Rich. Rich, good morning. How you doing? Good morning, Randy. Good to good to fight you today. Happy Friday. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Thank you. All right, Randy, here we go. Okay. Tonight's play-in games will decide the NBA's eighth seeds in the playoffs. Which franchise is the last to win a first round as an eighth seed, doing so in 2011? 2011. A number one seed lost to an eight seed in the first round. 
I think I remember this. I am going to go Memphis Grizzlies. I, and I, I the reason I think I remember is I think they, they beat the Spurs. I think the Spurs were supposed to win that year. They were supposed to win the whole ball. I'm going to go with Memphis. The Blues finished below 500 for the first time since 2007-2008 when they ended up with the fourth overall pick. Who did they draft with that pick? I think that the fourth overall pick would have been Alex Petrangelo. All right, Rennie, there's a movie being produced about Nat Sweetwater Clifton, who was the third African-American to play in the NBA by just four days. Who was the first African-American to ever play in the NBA? I do not know, so I'll just do the, uh, I'll do the lifeline. Chuck Cooper, Harold Hunter, or Earl Lloyd? Uh, I will, I'm gonna I'm gonna go all listener on here. I'm gonna take A. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna take A. Is that Chuck? Yes, yeah, Chuck I'll, Cooper. I'll go, I'll go with Chuck. All right. <laughs> okay. There are only three golfers who win back-to-back Masters champion or tournaments. I'm sorry. The obvious answers are Jack Nicklaus and Tiger Woods. But who is the only other golfer to do it, pulling off the feat across 89 and 90? 89, 90. I'm going to say that that was, let's, because we had the thing here in 92. I'm going to go with Nick Faldo in 89.90. I'm going to go with, because Price won here, and I think he was, Faldo was favored here. And that's the only reason I'm doing it is because Faldo was favored here when we had it in 92. So I'll go with him. You had a good hunch, Randy, because that tied it up with three correct each between Rich and Randy. So we were going to go to our tiebreaker. I will read the question. We will give Randy a moment to write down his answer. Then, Rich, we will allow you to say your answer audibly. We will read out Randy's answer. And whoever is closest to the pin wins today's fight. Rich, do you understand those rules? Yes, sir. All right. He might not have been good enough to go outright wire to wire, but Dustin Johnson still owns the lowest winning score in Masters history with what score at the 2020 Masters? By the way, I blow us, I do mean best. He might not have gone outright wire to wire, but Dustin Johnson still owns the lowest winning score in Masters history with what score at the 2020 Masters? Just a moment, Rich. Randy Carricker is writing down his... Oh, you wrote it down that way. My bad. I, that's fine. Oops. Sorry, okay. I, I, I was. Uh, you were going with under par. Yeah, I was going with the un, the under par for the answer, but I can I can do that math really quick. That's no problem. Okay. What is your answer, Rich? Okay, I'm gonna go eighteen under par. All right, just a moment. I have to do a quick little bit of math here because I'm not that smart. okay fair enough my apologies guys i'm not as so you had him as okay so i i i think i I think i messed up with my math yeah because i I, uh randy randy your answer was a 282 total which off a 288 uh par for the masters would have been a six under the uh rich's guess was 18 under so we do have a winner in today's fight ring that bell the winner and new champion of the fight average joe listener the fight is presented by golf discount of st louis with the most experienced club fitters in town. Why shop anywhere else?
Congratulations, Rich. Thanks to that tiebreaker, you are the winner of today's fight, a 3-3 tie, and then the tiebreaker win. It was a 20-under for Dustin Johnson, the lowest winning score in Masters history. 20-under. Rich, you were just two off. Congratulations today in the fight. Wow. Uh, what a way to end on a Friday. Wow. <laughs> job, there you Rich. go, Rich. Enjoy Happy your Friday. weekend, and we will talk to you on Monday for the fight. Thank you so much for joining the fight today. Thanks, everybody. All right. See Thanks, you Monday. Have a good weekend. That is Rich on 101 ESPN. Coming up, the MLS Season Pass host for their pregame, Andrew Wiebe, joins us to talk to, to talk SC here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's the only way City knows how to play. Oh, that's completely given away. And it's an equalizer. In a word. Chaos. Oh, it's a down City SC on the opening drive in our weekly segment we like to call Controlled Chaos. Brought to you by Keystone Event Staffing. Better people mean better events. With Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis, I'm Randy Carricker. It is St. Louis City SC against Cincinnati this weekend. And we go to the Celebrity Line, and if you have the MLS season pass, you get to see Andrew Wiebe on the... Uh, in the host role, and he joins us now on 101 ESPN. And uh, let's start, uh, Andrew, with this. Thanks for joining us. We we do appreciate it. Uh, how surprised are you by the start of SC? I think everybody's been a little bit surprised. And I think if you read between the lines with Bradley Carnell and the guys, there's a little bit of surprise there for them as well. They're not going to come out and say it. Why would you? You're enjoying your success. But I don't think anybody expected five wins off the jump from any expansion team let alone this St. Louis team, that there were some questions in preseason about the roster. And we're starting to see those answers come into shape. But, man, what a start for this team. What a scene it is in St. Louis. I mean, we might get some boos on the, on the text line or whatever you guys got going. I'm a Kansas guy, <laughs> University of Kansas, Kansas City, Royals, et cetera, et cetera. But even I can look across uh, Missouri and say, my God, what an incredible thing this club is building. So congratulations on that. Hey, Andrew, one of the, the things that has been talked about a lot is this style that the that City plays with, the, the attacking style. We had Lutz on multiple times. He talked about when the opposing team gets the ball. They We don't plan on them having it for long. What are people saying about the style of play that City is playing with? Yeah, that's an interesting uh, like nuance, right? It's an attacking style, but not with the ball. And I think mm-hmm. sometimes that's difficult for people to wrap their minds around. It's attacking but in the sense that we are attacking you in position to win it, to be dangerous. I don't think it's a surprise to anybody, given what we knew about Bradley Carnell and his background. It was sort of an understanding that coming from Red Bull into St. Louis, given what Lutz was saying he was trying to build, given some of the roster choices, that this was not going to be like a ticky-tacka, we want the ball all the time sort of team. This was going to be an aggressive, physical team that looked to trap you in your own half and find areas to win the ball. And you know, I think if you're the Red Bulls, you're looking across the country at St. Louis, you're like, my God, we had this guy in our system when we didn't keep him around. He was sort of a prodigy within that organization, you know, from Austria all the way to New York. Uh, what I'll give a ton of credit to Bradley on is, and as well as the organization, and it's sort of a shared thing here. He chose to be sort of out of the limelight for more than a year when it comes to coaching. That's a long time. You can lose momentum in that sense. You can sort of like, fall you know behind a curtain where people aren't seeing you but behind that curtain he was building 
And it turned out it was the best possible thing that this club could do. And I give a ton of credit to ownership for spending the money it takes to bring in coaches and players and get facilities going early. I give a ton of credit for Lutz for knowing exactly what he wanted and for Bradley for just being a great builder. So, you know, I'm sure you guys have talked about it a ton, but not many expansion teams get the runway that St. Louis had. And I think if your expansion teams in the future, and look, we know that in all likelihood there will be at least one, maybe multiple in Major League Soccer, you're looking at this and you're thinking, how do we copy that? How do we get our foundation built and prepared before we ever hit the field? And if we do, can we replicate the success that St. Louis is having right now? Yeah, you're right. It really is rare because when Nashville was awarded an expansion team, they had to play in Nissan Stadium where the Titans play for a while before getting their own stadium. And I feel like you're seeing that pay off with the players, too. You even brought in some of the guys like Roman Berkey a year early so that he could get acclimated to everything and work with some of the guys here, learn this, you know, facilities in the city and the program and what they were looking for. What have you thought of the guys coming from Bundesliga? Obviously, highly competitive to over here in the MLS. I think a lot of people are wondering how that was going to look and transfer. I didn't have questions about Roman Berkey. You know, I think we knew, uh, you know, anybody who watches Champions League or, you know, top level of Bundesliga could see Roman Berkey's work on display. I was less familiar with Edward Leuven and Joe Klaus. And I had question marks about those guys as designated players. You know, when, when Lutz came out and said, hey, we don't need DPs, like forget that designation. Like it's, you know, team is the star. I was like, oh, okay, like, you know, I get where you're coming from on that. But in this league, if you look at champions, like they have big time players in, you know, two or three positions on the field. They use their designated player spots wisely. It just turned out that, you know, Lutz had scouted these guys and knew these guys better than anybody in North America. And that shouldn't be a surprise, right? That's, that's why you hire someone like him. That's why you go and get guys that have the sort of connections, have the tentacles, have the scouting networks, have the history with players like this to bring him in. And, I, you know, I think Lubin said it uh, a couple weeks ago. I can't remember when he said it, but basically he was like, look, this change for me, being here, having time to settle, having time to be comfortable, feeling like I was quote-unquote home, has meant literally everything to me in terms of performing on the field. And it's so easy to forget. Like, we get, I think we get wrapped up in, like, professional athletes being this sort of, like, cut above. And we don't sort of consider the human side of just trying to do a job. Like if someone throws you into a new city, a new culture, and in this case, a brand new club, and just says, hey, hit the ground run and be successful, that is extremely difficult. Now, same thing goes for Jao Klaus. But I think one of the things that Lutz did really well in this sense is he went and got guys that were, that were hey, we got to prove it sort of dudes. Not, hey, I'm comfortable, all good, I've got my resume, I've got my accomplishments. Guys that were just hungry. And if you are going to play the system that they're playing – you can't bring in people that are going to sit on their laurels. They got to be hungry. They got to have something to prove. And from, you know, literally one to 28 on this roster, I think every single player has that same sort of line running through them of like, hey, screw this, man. People thought we weren't going to be that good. Watch. Just watch. Andrew, MLS has been around almost 30 years, but yet when we talk about the four major sports, we never mention MLS in, in North America. What do teams like City and, and their fan base, how much does that add value to MLS and, and, and really bringing more, I guess, viewer, viewership and more people really understanding the game and being part of it as, as we know it? Well, here's, here's what I would argue. I would argue there's multiple constituencies here, right? Mm-hmm. There's some constituencies that are like, hey, there's only four sports and four major sports in North America. And then there's, you know, a massive tens of millions group that says, hey, soccer is our sport. Mm-hmm. And that group is growing more and more and more. Or, hey, soccer is my second, third, fourth, whatever, but I love it and it's a part of my life. I think that group over time is going to be the one that sort of like, 
uh, no offense to the others, I'm sure they'll take offense, it kind of, you know, nudges them out of the way a little bit. Or I, what I would hope instead of nudging them out of the way is welcomes them into the fold. Because mm-hmm. I think if you go to a city game in St. Louis, you know, just to bring it to your city, if let's say you had a friend that's like, you know, not for me, not for me. I don't like soccer. If they went to a city game, what are the odds you think they leave and are saying that again? Like, what are the that odds likely. that they keep no. that? Opinion? It's almost, it's, it's almost nothing. Like, yeah. I can't imagine, and I've only seen it from afar. I've been to the stadium twice for the Super Draft and the Expansion Draft, and, of course, no people were there, so that changes your experience. But, man, that, that is a selling point that I think soccer has, and other leagues do too. But if you get in that stadium, if you see those supporters, if you feel the, the rhythms of, of game day and, you know, sort of see the skill up close and personal of these players, I have a hard time believing that it's not going to be something that you at least accept within your life, even if you don't embrace it. So I think, I think, look, these new markets, uh, and, and St. Louis in particular, MLS, soccer fans in this country, have to be thrilled to see a, a city that we knew would embrace the sport, that has embraced the sport for decades, a part of the fabric of the city, and taken it to a whole other level. And it just gives other people something to, you know, aspire to, to be to say, hey, we can be that ambitious, and, and it's a wonderful thing. I can't wait to get out there. Andrew Wiebe will be in studio tomorrow as an analyst on MLS Countdown on and MLS Wrap-Up, the pre- and post-game shows on MLS Season Pass. Andrew, before we let you go, last week it was Seattle. They lead the West. This week it's Cincinnati. Uh, they lead the East. Uh, quite a gauntlet for SC. How Obviously, this game is going to be tough. What are the challenges for St. Louis City SC against Cincinnati? I know you guys probably roll your eyes Everybody, every, every time somebody uses the L word with, uh, with City right now, and that L word is lucky. But there is a little bit of good fortune here for St. Louis, right? Lucho Acosta has a, has a sling on his arm after a win for Cincinnati last weekend. Probably will not be available for this game. Brenner, one of the best strikers in the league, is on the brink of being sold to Serie A to Udinese. He probably won't play in this game for Cincinnati. Wobodo, their best midfielder, might not play in this game. So there are a couple things here that are sort of building for Bradley Carnell that are positives from availability side. I'm very curious to see how he approaches this match. I think Cincinnati and Pat Noonan, their coach, and of course you guys know Pat, he's a St. Louis uh, native, mm-hmm. born and bred, but he knows he, he was part of a pressing team in Philly when he was an assistant coach. He is going to understand how to play against this city team. He's not going to give them opportunities to win the ball, you know, ideally in those sort of danger areas that have been so productive for Klaus. I think they'll be more direct, uh, and I'm curious to see how Carnell lines up against a, a back three. He went to a 4-2-3-1 in the only game that a, a team lined up with a back three slash back five, and that was the Timbers. So I'm curious to see what he does there. But I, I think at home it's time to get back to that pressing, aggressive way. You saw a little bit of that wane against Seattle. Uh, and this is going to be an absolutely fascinating clash. The only time we'll see them uh, this season, obviously, across conferences. Andrew, thanks so much for the time. We do appreciate it. Great having you on, and we'll have to do this again as the season continues to unfold. Yeah, of course. Go Jayhawks. Had to get that in. Hey, we, we, we love <laughs> uh, hey, We love it. I, I, I went to Illinois, so I say yeah. ILL every day. Don't worry about it. You're good. And, <laughs> and, and Andrew, some of my best friends are Jayhawkers, so I have no problem hey, at all with you. You know what? And some of my biggest enemies went to Mizzou. No, there you go. Come back anytime, please. <laughs> Take care. That's uh, Andrew Wiebe from MLS Season Pass with us on 101 ESPN. By the way, tomorrow you've got uh, St. Louis City and Cincinnati. We are on to Cincinnati. And hopefully we can get back on the winning track. Yes. We. You didn't, I, I you think didn't, so. You didn't play on to Cincinnati. 
Oh, I, I could. I think it's this one. We're on to Cincinnati. We there are we go. On to Cincinnati. <laughs> and uh, that is a 7.30 contest tomorrow over at City Park. And then after that, after Cincinnati, SC goes to take on Stan Kroenke's Colorado Rapids. Mm. Oh. That you, is what, what we call a must-win in the business. Oh, no. Who could ever root for one of those Denver teams? That right. Are like no, yeah, I was going to ask you, are you <laughs> is Rock going to take that day off? Are you going to be here for that? You're going to be? No. Gonna, not, a, not a Colorado You little jet-setter, you. He just, probably just won't be here. Yeah. I'll be here. He's, Cheering on for City, baby. Little jet-setter. Little jet-setter. Little jet-setter. I think the last flight I took was the the last flight I took was the 15th flight I've ever taken in my life. Coming up... Why couldn't the Cardinals hit Vince Vasquez last night? That's <laughs> oh next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time to recap the biggest sports stories of the day on the opening drive with a rush hour reset. Brought to you by Clubhouse Turf, your exclusive partner of Celebrity Greens. We're redefining private golf. Nine oh four. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. The Cardinals shut out last night by Vince Velasquez of the Pirates. Five nothing was the final. And historically, the Cardinals have not fared very well against pitchers that they've seen for the first time. But Vince Velasquez came into this game last night with an earned run average of nine point eight two. His earned run average for his career is right near five. And this is a guy that over the course of his time in the major leagues, he's seen the Cardinals, and the Cardinals have seen him. Uh, against the Cardinals, he was 2-3 and three with a 4.81 earned run average before last night. So why can the Cardinals not hit Vince Velasquez? Is it because they didn't know it was Vince Velasquez? That they thought it was Vince Vasquez? Or Vasquez? <laughs> I would assume that the players knew okay. who, who okay. was pitching. The players who were playing the play, the yes. play, <laughs> Sorry, my apologies. The players that were actually on the field yeah, knew okay, good. Who, was, who was pitching. I don't think that was the issue. I think they just they just struggled last night. And, and hopefully, you know, we, we continue to talk about the pitching performing well. They performed well last night. Jordan Montgomery had a had a very good start. Um, unfortunate to see him taken out in that in that sixth inning because you know he wanted to it was seventh inning. He wanted to finish that that inning out after he allowed a runner on um, a couple of runners on, mm-hmm. but he he was unable to. And then you get Jordan Hicks, and then they kind of unraveled offensively. They just were unable to get it going and. At some point, you're going to have to marry the two between the pitching and the hitting having good days as opposed to one having a good day, one having a bad day. If you get some runs in that game prior to that seventh inning, Jordan Montgomery probably finishes it out. If you're tied one-to-one or you're up three-to-one, he's probably going to finish that inning out. And I think we would have been better for it. Yeah, I mean, spoiling a quality start for Jordan Montgomery, that just is really tough. And you even heard his comments afterwards where he wanted to stay in the game. He wanted to continue to compete because, as you said earlier, Randy, he's just kind of like a workhorse for this team right now. And that's a guy that you would like to have stick around for a little bit longer. But this this is my question to you guys. So the team went 0 for 9 with runners in scoring position. Do you think that this offensive philosophy is built in a way where it's home run or bust? I do. And for many of the players, that's the case. Obviously, for your great hitters like Goldie and Arenado, Goldie's got a 475 on base, and Arenado has a 373. And those guys' batting averages are high, but you look at the top of the order. Brendan Donovan is hitting just 234. And this 
relates to overall when you get to the plate with runners in scoring position. Contreras is, is only hitting 171. There's a couple of tweaks that I would make to the lineup. But overall, I think it's just right now, this is bad luck. This is something where the cream will ultimately rise to the top. I, I don't know why they aren't hitting with runners in scoring position, but they're hitting otherwise. But I think that'll change. I think they will wind up hitting with runners in scoring position. What tweaks do you think need to be need to be made? Here are the two. I, I said yesterday that I think when Tommy Edmond is hot, he should be at the top of the lineup. Mm-hmm. Tommy yes. Edmond's on base right now is 340. Brendan Dovren's on base is 288. I think Tommy Edmond should be hitting leadoff. The other one, and we talked yesterday about Contreras. I think we've reached a point now where we can, especially against right-handed pitching, we can flip Contreras and Gorman. Because Gorman is hitting. Uh-huh. And when he hits it, he hits it hard. And then hit Contreras sixth. I don't think that just because you gave Wilson Contreras a big contract, you have to hit him fifth. I, I, I probably agree with that. I think eventually he's going to you know, come back around to what we expect him to be. Uh, it, we talk about it. He, he's he's shown it throughout his entire career that he's yeah. going to be he's going to get right. Um, I did like you talked about them not uh, being on the base. They did get a, they got a double steal yesterday. Wilson Contreras made a, a heck of a steal and, and, and then made a face. Yeah, that was a, <laughs> that, that. I like it. I, I like it. He made a, a swim move and didn't let his left hand get tagged and got his right hand in there. Um, I want to see more of that though. Yes. I want to see guys moving around putting themselves in scoring position because a single there, now you bring in both guys as opposed to one guy scoring. So um, I, I want to see more of that, more opportunities on the base paths, guys really being engaged the entire game, maybe some hit and run, maybe some mm-hmm. things to it, – it's just too station to station right now for me. And you got guys that can actually move. And the game has changed to allow them to be faster and, and get to second, you know, get to second or third a little bit quicker. Uh, I would like to see more of that. And the left-handed hitters, obviously. Your good left-handed hitters can pull the ball and yes. not be fearful of making an out Correct. to that guy that's in short right field. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I sent to you guys in the group chat last night of that, that steal that Wilson had. And I was like, look, I guess Wilson Contreras listens to us. And I mean, he who does. doesn't is the, the question. Yep. That's the, the real question. The but it, to your point, we had a whole segment on that yesterday where we were breaking down how the Yankees are doing a better job of that. Uh, more aggressive base stealing. Because you have, that was the whole point. The, the rules changed to kind of, you know, push teams more in that direction Mm -hmm. and we know that the Cardinals can do it we've seen players on this team who can 100% do that so you kind of wonder where is that at this point and why not utilize it utilize some of the speed that you have we know that Tyler O'Neill can typically hustle Mm -hmm. and is really fast we know Tommy Edmonds really fast we know Brennan Donovan's really fast I mean you have a lot of guys with speed on this team even somebody you wouldn't consider fast Paul Goldschmidt we've seen him steal a couple bags I mean it you just know that they have the ability. Why not use it? And I think at some point, I think the analytics guys will come down and say, look, the game has changed this year because of the rules changes. Let's try Randy. it. Let's try using our... Randy, Randy. You don't think they're going Randy, to? Randy, have you ever... This is just my personal opinion. I think people who only see numbers, they... they, they uh, you think they're going to admit that they were wrong about something? Well, the rules have changed. Yeah, huh? okay. Well, rules have changed. Well, that's, that's why. Okay, one other question. When in a game do you guys bring Jordan Hicks in? At this point, when do you feel comfortable having having Jordan Hicks on the mound? For me, you've got to be down by three more than three runs. Twelve zero lead. Oh no, come on! No, I, I think you got to be down by more than three runs. Come on! A, you don't uh, agree? Twelve zero lead. Okay, eight zero lead. How about that? What about that? Carry? Only thing. <laughs> only thing I need to see from Jordan Hicks is better poise. 
better be, things. I, I, I've said this time and time again. He's a guy that is a a has probably been one of the best players, best stellar athletes his entire time, his entire life. Mm-hmm. And one thing that that guys that are so good when they're younger run into when they get to the higher levels, when they start to get to college, when they start to get to the majors, whether it be football, basketball, base. Everyone is as good as you, man. And so now you are dealing with adversity and trying to figure out how to get past that and getting frustrated because you're not getting it's, it's like it, it starts snowballing. You're not getting the calls. You're not getting the you're not hitting the location. People are hitting you hard and now you're frustrated and you have to figure out a way to get out of that They've talked about it. Going into an inning and not giving up a hit or or getting that first guy out will help snowball in the correct direction as opposed to the wrong way. Brooke, five and a third innings, eight walks and eight hits allowed by Jordan Hicks. 16 runners in five and a third. I can tell you one thing. Jordan Hicks and inherited runners do not not mix mix. whatsoever. Also, here's the thing. I mean, at some point... Look, we know he can throw 103 in the words of Jordan Montgomery. Uh, we, we've seen that. But at some point, pitcher has to perform in the role that he's given. Yes. Right? So if you're if that's your role to come in there and if you would consider a high leverage situation, then you have to be able to perform at that level. At what point do you say he needs a different role? Hmm. I, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. I think that you right now he's put himself in a situation where you can't throw him in a high leverage situation. I think you. I think he still gets another opportunity or two because it's still early in the season to see if he can. If you get four, five, six, seven opportunities and you still don't come out clean or, or, or figure it out, then it's probably time to, to go in a different direction in terms of where you get into the game. But I think he'll have another op- – I think that move last night was for him to see, hey, can you get this done? Because it needed to be done in that moment. And the Cardinals will be back at it against the Pirates tonight. It's a 7-15 start. And, of course, you can see it on Valley Sports Midwest. The Cardinals will pitch their uh, right-hander, Jake Woodford, against their former right-hander, Johan Oviedo, 7-15 at the ballpark. That's today's Rush Hour Reset. Coming up – Kerry wants to know why the Cardinals changed their batting order so much. And would it be better if we just had a lineup? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. have played 13 games so far this season and they have had 11 different batting orders. If you go back to the mid-80s with Whitey Herzog, Kerry and Brooke, Whitey in 1987 used 78 different lineups. It was pretty much the same group that could count on their role being the same every day. Now that team wasn't as deep as this team and they didn't need to learn as much about players as this team needs to learn. But Kerry, I know that you as an athlete are somebody who's a big proponent of knowing your role every Mm -hmm. single day. Yeah, I think when you are set in your role, you know... you look at Goldie and Arenado, you know exactly where they're going to hit every single day. They know exactly where they're going to hit if if they're in the game or if they're in the lineup that day. If they have a day off, they know well in advance or a couple of days. It's something to – we are creatures of habit as professional athletes. Most people are. When you do something every single day in the same way, it makes life a little bit easier for you to go about your day. And I just would think that if the Cardinals have a lineup – 
Now, here's the difficult task because they have a lot of talent in that outfield. A lot of guys are, are vying for opportunities. Even at DH, Juan Yepes feels like he should be playing every day, but Nolan Gorman is playing every day. You got a lot of guys that are, are battling for opportunities, but at the end of the day, it's professional sports. The better players, the best players are going to play. Now, if you have a matchup where a guy is you know, 8 for 12 versus this particular pitcher, yeah, he should be playing that day, and the guy that he's replacing going to have to sit out. But I want my lineup every day to know who's in the two-hole, who's in the six-hole, who's in the seven-hole. I don't like the flip-flopping and, and not really knowing, you know, who's leading off. Because if I know who's leading off as, as a two-hole or three-batter, it, it makes my life a little bit easier every single day knowing that this I can count on this guy and be, be dependent on this guy to do his job. There's a belief that the Cardinal front office makes out the lineups. Whether or not that's true, we don't know. I I know they have a meeting every day, but I don't know if the front office makes out the lineup. But one of the thoughts about the philosophical differences with Mike Schilt were that maybe he butted heads with the numbers people. Last year, in his first year as the manager, Ali Marmol had 152 different lineups in 162 games. In Mike Schilt's last year as the Cardinal manager, 2021, he trotted out 107 lineups in 162 games. 107 for Schilt, 152 for Ollie. No, oh, wow, that's that's a pretty stark difference. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I can see both sides of it. You have so much depth right now, where it's like you have to kind of utilize the guys. And I understand. I think they're taking the approach of competition because how many times has Ollie Marmol said in his you know short time in his managerial career? Has he said, you know, he's trying to put the guys who are producing. You're going to if you're producing, you're going to get to stay here. Basically, he's always going to put those guys to the forefront. So I can see him kind of embracing and the Cardinals wanting this competition amongst the players because there is so many spots that are not exactly predetermined. And I mean, other than Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt and Wilson Contreras. But other than that, everything else is a wide open competition. We as as players know who deserves to be playing every day. Like yeah. we know, we know, and that's the problem. I've seen it in in football locker rooms where a guy is, he's much better than the guy that they have starting, and and this other guy is still getting all of the reps, getting all of the opportunities. That causes an issue, you know, in a locker room. I don't think that the Cardinals have that issue because I think all of their players are of equal value mm-hmm. that are are vying for opportunities. But somebody has to set themselves apart from the rest of the guys, and those are the guys that need to be playing every single day. You need to know, coming to the ballpark, I need to know where I'm hitting, what position I'm playing, so that I can mentally be focused going into my day every single day and not have to worry about, am I, am I out today? Am I in? Am I in left field? Am I at second base? Where am I playing today? Now, to be fair here, the team that's 13-0, the Rays, in 13 games have played 12 different lineups. They've only had the same lineup twice, and they're winning with it. And here's the other thing. With all the access that we have to numbers, and we don't have close to the access that they have over at Bush Stadium, I have no problem with playing matchups and playing the hot guy. If mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier, I think I would move Tommy Edmond up to the top of the lineup, but I'd probably move Donovan down. And if there's a guy that tonight... Well, not many Cardinals have faced Oviedo, but if there was a guy last night that had faced Vince Velasquez and hit 420 against him, I'm going to put him in the lineup and try to ride what he's done against Vasquez or Velasquez? Velasquez, Velasquez. in the past. <laughs> hey, we'll get it. Yeah. We'll get it. So I, I, I have no problem with moving lineups around. And I don't think players generally, I don't think baseball players generally care. Sometimes if you're an Arenado or a Goldie, I don't think Goldie liked hitting second, but... 
you change your approach just a little bit. I think with where the Cardinals are, leadoff hitter, six, seven, eight, nine, you're going to try to accomplish. Well, six, seven, eight, you're going to try to accomplish the same thing. And then leadoff hitter and, and ninth hitter is essentially trying to do the same thing. So I don't really have trouble with the Cardinals putting different lineups out there. I think one thing Jim Edmonds said last night, and it was it was obviously a little bit different. Brian Reynolds didn't play, right? He didn't start the game, mm-hmm. but he came in in a pinch hit role. And, and Jim said, that's got to be frustrating for this guy to to not think you're going to play all day and then, boom, okay, I need you to pinch hit in that moment where maybe you, you probably – I think they were up four to nothing at that mm-hmm. time. I don't yeah. think he necessarily needed to go into the game. But it, it, it can be the same in, in the opposite role, not knowing or, or thinking you're going to be playing all day and then now you're not or thinking you're going to be in this position and now you're not. There is a a a, a mindset that goes into – you know, how you prepare for your day every single day. I know I'm going to be in left field. I know what this ballpark feels like, what it looks like. Oh, I'm in right field today. That's a little bit different from what I was thinking going into the day. And so it just could change or alter, you know, I, I'm going to be batting in front of Goldie today. Okay, cool. I got to know. I know I got to do. Oh, nope. I'm batting eighth. I'm, I'm leading off today. Nope. I'm batting ninth. It just changes your, your, your mindset going in. Biggest thing with athletes in 2023 in the last decade or so is communication. And the best coaches and managers communicate at the highest level. And that's one thing that Ollie does really well. Craig Berube does it very well. You didn't have to. Ken Hitchcock, I had a conversation with him one time about how athletes had changed. He said, it used to be that you could tell a player to run through a wall, and they would. Now you tell them to run through a wall, and they say, why? Yeah. And you, I'm sure you see it a lot with high school oh, players, yeah. right? Yes. You have to a- answer. And if if you're not going to play, if you're the Cardinals and Jordan Walker, did he he, he had the hitting streak end, right? Yep. So you sit, you sit him today. But you go to him last night and you say, okay, this has been great, but you've played 13 games in a row. Yeah. You're sitting tomorrow. Yeah. So that he knows he can chill for the night. Maybe have, well, he can't have a cold one. But he can, he can chill yeah, for yeah. tonight. He can get, he, yeah, have probably. a cold soda. And then okay? know that he's <laughs> he, he can just relax and not have to spend his day thinking about watching video and being yes. prepared to be just tight coming to the ballpark. Well, and Carrie, I also see your side of this in the way of you have a lot of guys who you know don't have a specific position. I mean, yeah. Jordan Walker is new to the outfield in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. So trying to build up that kind of confidence yeah. in these new roles, you have a lot of guys playing different positions, multiple positions. Um, and so you can kind of see how that could affect things as well, too. Yeah, I think, you know, being comfortable in a role is is getting more reps at it. The more you do it, the more comfortable you become in it. And, and Randy, to your point, when you talk about coaches and, and open conversation and honest conversation, some of my my best friends that are that coached me were the ones that were open and honest to me. My coach Kirby Wilson, we we practiced all week. I was the third down back all week. I was a starting fullback, but this week I was going to do third downs. And he came to me Saturday before we get on the plane and say, "Hey man, you're not doing third down tomorrow. Najee's going to do it." Wait, what? He said, "Yeah, I got to tell you today because if I wait till third down on Sunday, it might kill me. So I'm going <laughs> to give you this moment. I'm telling you today, we're about to go get on this plane, process it." get over it, and then we'll converse a little bit later. But had he told me on the first third down of the game versus New England, hey, don't go out there right now. Najee's taking his – we might have been you might have been reading about it on the sideline. Him, me and him having a, a fist fight because you didn't give me that information with enough time to process what I needed to do and how to go about my yeah. day from that point on. Right, so it's it's a key, and I'm I'm sure Ali, especially with a young group of players, is communicating at a very high level with them. And the different lineups so far, 
have been touch and go. You don't know, but hopefully someday they'll settle in and just wind up scoring eight runs a game like we expected they would. We're waiting on it. That's Kerry. That's Brooke. I'm Randy. Coming up, our last visit of the hockey season with Blue Center Robert Thomas. He's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Thomas, score! Getting you inside the Blues locker room. forward Robert Thomas on the opening drive. Driven by Pure Performance, the only stop for all your aftermarket vehicle needs. Brooke Grimsley, Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, great to have you with us on 101 ESPN and we go to the celebrity celebrity line. Robert Thomas is standing by. Robert, good morning. How are you doing? Doing well, guys. Good. Hey, I want to start with this because this has not been the easiest season. It's been uh, kind of a roller coaster, but we appreciate you joining us and being forthright every single week. It's been great to to have you with us, and we're thankful that uh, you are who you are, and and you came came on every week, and you, you didn't you didn't duck us. So we really do appreciate it. Ah, thank you, guys. It's been uh, yeah, like you said, roller coaster every year, but. Um, yeah, you know, uh, I think you learn a lot, and also with you guys, you guys have been awesome, and um, you know, keeping it light, and, and you know, I've had a good time every week. So, thank you guys. Well, Robert, as you mentioned there, you, it's been you know a season for learning for you guys. What is you know maybe a high point or a low point from this season personally for you? Yeah, I think um, yeah, I've said this a bunch of times, but it couldn't couldn't be more true. Uh, you know, you learn you learn winning, and you, you learn even more losing. So. Uh, I think that's that's been the message kind of all year, and um, I think you know whether it's leadership wise, whether it's um, you know preparation wise, or you know just throughout the year, uh, kind of executing a game plan. I think those are three big things that um, you know we've had to learn quickly this year, and um, something that we'll take into next year and, and be ready to go. Robert, as athletes, we never want the season to end uh, without a championship, but you 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 take time off you get to decompress you got to be looking forward to getting your body back healed because i'm sure it's it's been you missed a few games here and there uh just injuries have started started to pile up a little bit you got to be feeling good about getting some time off to to really rest and and recover yeah yeah it's never uh never the scenario we want to be in hopefully this is the last time we you know miss the playoffs and um that's what i'm thinking so um but yeah, um, this time of year injuries start to pile up, and um, you know a lot of guys are playing through a lot of things. So um, uh, on that side of it, um, it's nice to to get some time to to regenerate and, and prepare for next year. Hey Robert, when you signed the contract at that press conference, Doug Armstrong said we expect Robert Thomas to be our captain someday. And this week on the fast lane here, Craig Ruby said that he really expects yourself and Jordan Cairo to grow into major leadership roles on this team. What's your comfort level? Because we talked about that a lot during the season. What's your comfort level in being one of the key leaders on this team in 2023-2024? Yeah, I think it's it's something I take a lot of pride in. Something that you know, I embrace and, and want to be um, want to be a good leader. Um, I think you know I've seen you know difference in leaders. I had Petro, then O'Reilly, and um, you see see guys that are different leadership styles. And um, I think you can you can kind of find your own in between them, and um, you know try and try and really step up. Um, I think that's something you know going into the year I wanted to do, but 
um, you know, you have to learn quickly when, when things happen the way it did this year. And uh, I think I took a lot of good steps forward in, in all kind of areas in, in that regard. Well, kind of playing off of that first, I just wanted to say I, it was nice seeing Jordan Cairo. I know that you mentioned that, that whenever Cairo had his 30th goal, you were like, hey, it'd be nice every once in a while if he'd set me up for one. That that was good to see the other night that he set you up for your 18th goal of the season. But is that something that you and Jordan Cairo have talked about going, you know, looking ahead, especially with after signing those big contracts is the next steps leadership wise of what you two will be doing? Because everybody's going to be looking at you two because you have the big contracts. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, it's definitely comes with the territory. I think it's something, you know, both of us, you know, care a lot about and, and take a lot of pride in. And um, obviously this year didn't, didn't go the way anyone wanted personally and as a team. Um, so it's something that, you know, me and him are going to have to figure out this summer and uh, really work together in, in order to, to, to step into that role and, um, yeah, it's going to be a big summer for us, and I know he's looking forward to the challenge, and so am I. Other than recovering, I, one thing that I always tell people and, and notice is, you know, the team that ended in the locker room this year is, is different from the team that ended last year, and the team going into training camp next year will be different than what you have right now. What are some of the things that you are looking for personally for you uh, to grow in the game and, and really to be a better player for the team next year? Yeah, I think I think a lot of things. Uh, I think my my 200 foot game took a, took a step forward. Uh, I think defensively, I, I I played better, and um, now it's just about finding that that balance and continuing to you know excel more offensively. So uh, I think there's there's still a lot of long way to go. Um, you know, you know, you never stop improving throughout your career, and um, it's just about taking that that big next step and. Uh, I think I took some little steps this year, but, um, you know, I need to, you know, take that next big step. So, Robert Thomas, tomorrow you're going to clean out your lockers, and then on Sunday you're free and clear. And uh, first of all, you have to deal with the media tomorrow. Sorry about that. <laughs> but, but then uh, on Sunday you, you're free and clear. You've told us multiple times that one of your passions is golf, and this is one of the things when you don't make the playoffs and you've never had to deal with this, is you set the tee time. Do you already know when you're first going to play golf in this postseason is? Um. Sunday? Uh, I'll, wait, I'll, wait till, I'll wait till Saturday to book, book my tea times. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, no, I'll, uh, I'm focused on... <laughs> okay, good. Robert, I got to ask because you come, on, you come on with us every week, normally early in the mornings, obviously. Uh, how many times have you looked at that clock and thought, damn, I got to call in right now. I'm tired. We just had a long road trip and they... Ah, Okay, how many times? How many of those did you have this season? Which answer do you want? <laughs> I want to know that because I've done it. I've been there, and that nine o'clock call comes very quickly uh, when you had a long trip back from uh, from a road trip, especially if it was on the West Coast, coming back at three, four in the morning, and then nine o'clock gets here. You're looking at the clock. Oh, goodness. you can say every week, Robert, if you want. <laughs> yeah. There's been there's been a couple of good ones in here. <laughs> Good. Hey, uh, even, and I know you guys, because everybody plans on making the playoffs, anything you'd like to do? Any bucket list items that you'd like to accomplish this offseason? You know, I I wasn't really expecting this, so uh, it's kind of a weird feeling for me right now. And um, I I honestly have nothing planned. Um, Something that probably should figure out this weekend, um, because 
hopefully this is uh, the last time we're in this situation. Absolutely. And will you watch the Stanley Cup playoffs? Uh, I'll watch here and there. Um, yeah, I'll probably watch as it kind of gets later in the playoffs. But, um, you know, it definitely, definitely hurts watching those games. So I don't watch too many of them. I could understand that. Well, I also have to bring this up because I showed these guys this video where they talked to NHL players. I think that you guys might have done it maybe during All-Star or something like that, or maybe prior to the season, um, where they asked a bunch of players like what a VHS was. And mm-hmm. a lot of the guys were struggling with that. Did you at least know what that was? Did I, did I get that one wrong? I think you got it right, but some of the other guys oh. were struggling a little bit. Yeah, um, I, I didn't. I remember that now. There's a couple items that I had no clue what they were, <laughs> uh, and it was like a little nerve wracking. They put you on the spot pretty good there. But uh, if I didn't get the VH tape, then uh, then I, I got some problems. <laughs> I, know that one, I know what that one was, but no, it's pretty funny. Just um, you know, you see the kind of the differences and uh, see what some guys would know and have absolutely no clue. It's, uh, it's a pretty cool segment. Well, Robert Thomas, thanks again so much for your time this week. Uh, have a, a good offseason. Have a good round Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you later. Take care. That is uh, Robert Thomas, number 18 for your St. Louis Blues. And he was great. I mean, it's tough during that eight-game yeah. losing streak and then the other losing streaks, and he was always there for us and always gave real honest answers. So mm-hmm. uh, we appreciate him doing that this year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, and I understand that. That's That has to be really tough. And he's mentioned before, you know, not losing in this way. You know, like having not made the playoffs – it, I can understand how that's really tough for a player, but look, here's the plus side: is it is what it is with what happened this season. Now you get some time to reset, you know, re-energize, and that's the positive in and that. Remember this taste in your mouth too of missing the playoffs. Exactly, exactly. I have a feeling that he will, and some of the other players will too. So it'll be interesting to see because Bruby, as you mentioned, said he wants to see them take that next step as leaders. I can see the this being a huge motivator for him and hopefully Jordan Cairo too. Yeah, absolutely. That's Brooke. That's Carrie. I'm Randy. We're going to head down the stretch with a little rock and roll next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. Down the stretch of this week of the Opening Drive on 101 ESPN. And Matthew Rocchio has... The uh, rock and roll segment prepared. What do we got? Well, you heard Andrew Wiebe from the MLS season pass talk about it. Two of the best players on Cincinnati are either hurt or about to be transferred, so they're probably not going to be in action on Saturday. So with that in in mind, does St. Louis City get off the schneid after their two-game losing streak, and do we see City move on to Cincinnati with a win? Yes, we're on to Cincinnati with a win. Is this take it or leave it? I'll take it. (laughs) You you can take it or leave it. You can give me a prediction, whichever you want. (laughs) I just, I just want to know I'll if you take it. All right, fair enough. We, we turned already, it into that. We already had Santa Claus wrapping two little presents for everybody, so I guess we're rolling with a little 2 0 win. How about that, Randy Character? I like that. 2 0 is good. We need a uh, clean sheet. We've had too many clean sheets against us lately with the Cardinals and the Blues, so let's get a clean sheet for Roman, us. Roman Burke, said clean sheet mentality. Yeah. That has Important to happen. To and you, and you, you like to call it getting clean sheeted? Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. well. oh, oh. 
Okay, so they're sweating a little bit in Vegas at Caesar Sportsbook. They receive a ten thousand dollar bet on the Kings to win the championship at seven hundred fifty to one, and an eight thousand dollar bet for them to win the win the championship at three hundred fifty one from the same better. The better would net ten point three million dollars with that win. Adam Pullen, assistant director of trading for Caesars, said, "Quote unquote, it's a pretty large liability. They became one of the only teams in the last twenty years to actually win a conference uh, or to win their division championship by two hundred fifty or longer odds." which is what the Sacramento Kings were sitting at this year. But right now, if you look at the odds going into the NBA playoffs, Bucks, Celtics, Suns, Warriors, and 76ers are the only team under plus 1,000. Are you rolling with any of those teams in the NBA fi- for an NBA Finals berth and championship carry I, I'm only rolling with the Golden State Warriors. Plus I, 800. How do you feel about that? I'm Take it. Take it. Take it or leave it. I'm taking it. <laughs> I just like how we turned that into, into a second segment. Yeah, I, I'm, I think the Warriors, Andrew, here's the thing. Andrew Wiggins is back. He has missed roughly 43 games this season. He missed 30-some-odd games, I believe, with the family issue, mm-hmm. uh, maybe 20-some-odd games, and then 20 more games earlier in the season because of an injury, coming back from an injury. This is an all-star guard from last year, plays very good defense, knockdown jumpers when, when given the opportunity. And that just adds to their depth because now you get to put uh, Jordan Poole has already been coming off the bench, but you get Dante DiVincenzo on the bench and he's coming off the bench. You're just going to add more more depth to what they have. Um, their issue has been rebounding. Are they going to be able to crash the boards? Andrew Wiggins does rebound very well, so hopefully that adds to that. And you know, if they can get the, if they can clear the glass and not allow second chance opportunities, the Golden State Warriors are going to be tough to beat. You worried about those those Sacramento Kings in any way, shape, or form? You, I can't even say what Shaq said, but no, <laughs> <laughs> no. Kings should have won that series, by the way. Can I just say that right now? Okay. Well, did they win? <laughs> no, they didn't. What did the record book say? I, think, I know they might have had a little help. Was that the series that they had help from? Uh, the, was that the Donnie? Officiating? Yeah. Was that Tim Donnie? Yeah. yeah. I mean, saying they got a little help is is, is an understatement, if you ask me. Yeah. I think you're, I think the Andrew Wiggins thing is going to be big because right out of the gate, Steve Kerr says they do not know what his role is going to be in Game 1. Every year in the NBA, at least one playoff series, right. a team gets knocked out that could have won a championship. I love I'm your, just I saying, love your naivete. I'm your, your how innocence. am I naive? Rock. Rock. He hasn't played in Rock. 50 days. Rock. Rock, you are you, you. It's it's beautiful the the innocence and naivete that you walk around with. It's blissful at wow, times. Is, Do you think this is patronizing. that the head coach, championship head coach, one of the top ten coaches in NBA history, has no idea how they're going to use Andrew Wiggins? Or, or do you think he's just saying that so that the Sacramento Kings have no idea how they're going to use Andrew Wiggins? I think he. Good I think question. you don't know what a player, how many minutes he's going to play, and what kind of level he's going to be playing at when you haven't seen him play in. And I will, days. I will. I will. I in, will. In game action, obviously, I he's will, practice. I will give you the fact that he didn't play in the final three games of the regular season for conditioning, for planning, giving themselves a week off to prepare for Sacramento. 
time to run and get back into that shape. It's not like he's been sitting on the couch eating potatoes for the last two months or, or potato six, chips, maybe potato potato chips, potato yeah, what is it? Really potato, potato, eating yes. potatoes, just, potato yeah, chips, yeah, yeah. whatever, potato. peeling them and eating them raw. You don't have to boil them. Old don't worry school. about it. Just yeah, bite right in there. It's all good. Yeah, I think this is just a little gamesmanship from one Steve Kerr. And we have NBA action tonight, playing games Heat and Bulls at 5.30. That's the pregame, and then the T-Wolves and Thunder following that one. We do have a balloon party with T-Mac and Ajax coming up here on 101 ESPN. Matthew is just... Yeah, one more thing. Can we at least agree on one thing? (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. It depends on what this one thing is. We have 30 seconds to agree. Lakers aren't going to do anything in this Oh, we definitely agree. As long as we can can agree on that, that. the Grizzlies aren't actually in trouble, (laughs) I can be okay with this. No, we're good. Great job by our producer engineer, the one you know, Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. Brooke, this has been another fun week. It has been. That and was the quickest that Rocchio has ever, wrapped up yeah. something like that before. Yeah. And Brooke, as long way, as I agreed with him, yeah. yeah. Uh, Usually that doesn't happen. That's what I'm saying true. here. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the Carry. XFL cap today, go Battlehawks, too. Yes, Battlehawks. Yep. There we go. CD. My man. There it is. He's got it ready. Hey, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us until Monday morning at 7. Have a great weekend, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.